أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم حميم عين سين قاف فذلك أيها إليك وإلى الذين منك لك الله عزيز حكيم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وهو العلي العظيم Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again these are the seven surahs known as the Hawameen Here Allah ta'ala two ayahs has chosen to put the huruf in Muqatta'at and one ayah Hamim and in the second ayin seen Qaf and as we've explained to you many times Allah ta'ala alone knows what the meaning of these ayahs are Verse number three Thus does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send revelation to you and those before you Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Aziz Al-Hakim Almighty Al-Wise to Allah Ta'ala alone belongs all that is in the heavens and all that is in the earth and He is the exalted and He is Al-Adim, He is the Almighty. Tagadu min The skies may all, it is near that the skies will be rent asunder or cleft from above. And the angels are glorifying the praises of their Lord. And they're making istighfar, seeking forgiveness for those who are on earth. There are two meanings, possible meanings of this. The first meaning is taken from a hadith narrated in the collection of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, the Muslim of Ahmad, and the Sunan of Tirmidhi, and the Sunan of Ibn Majah. And that is that Sayyidah Rasulullah was reported to have said that the Samawat are creaking and really they ought to creak means they're almost about to be cleft and rent asunder. The Prophet said that I swear by the being in whose control lies my life there is not a space of four fingers without an angel placing his forehead there in prostration before Allah So the notion is that in the Samawat there's so many angels doing so much sajda to Allah that imagine that if you have so many people do sajda on a wooden floor, you would feel that the floor is about to creak. So this is a metaphor. Obviously the samawat will not creak and they will not be rent asunder. But what it means is that the samawat are so full of angels. That is the more likely interpretation. A second possible interpretation, however, is that the sky may be rent asunder due to what the mushrikeen say. But that is something that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned separately in Surah Maryam, Surah 19, verses 90-91, that the Samawat may be split asunder because of it, yani because of what they ascribe to Allah SWT. The earth may be cleaved open, the mountains may be crushed to smithereens. All this is because they ascribe children to Allah SWT. So in Surah Maryam, that was clearly the reason why the skies will be rent asunder. But here, because there's no mention of mushrikeen in these first few ayat, and then Allah Ta'ala is mentioning the angels doing the tasbih and hamd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So many commentators have said this is a second meaning in which the skies can be rent asunder. Again, this is something that I've mentioned to you before, the multiplicity of meaning, and how ulama of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah have allowed multiple meanings to simultaneously be understood from Qur'an al-Kareem. Then why here it is mutlak, it is not mentioned here that they are specifically seeking forgiveness for the believers, but because we did this just in the previous surah, that the angels make dua for people who have those certain conditions, and the surah is coming right after that mention, the manfil ard is understood that it means that those whom it befits them to seek their forgiveness, 
yani those mu'minin tawabin who are trying to have istikama on deen they make forgiveness for them walladhina takhadu min dunihi awliya allahi hafizun alayhim and as far as those who try to adopt awliya other than allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who have taken other patrons and benefactors and any, any other protectors that allah ta'ala says no know that allah ta'ala hafiz alayhim allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching over them is watching over everything that they do. Mama anta alayhim biwakil, and you, Prophet, you are not a guardian, you are not in charge of them, you are not liable for their shirk. And thus have we sent revel have did we reveal to you a Arabic Quran so that litundira ummal Quran so that you may warn by means of that Arabic Quran, you may warn the mother of all cities. And this is a name that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to Makkah Mukarramah. It is known as Ummul Qura. It's the mother of all cities, the mother of all settlements. Why? Well, number one, because Makkah Mukarramah is there. No, because the Kaaba is there. The Baytullah is there. Second, it is the place of the original prophethood of Sayyidina Rasulullah Later he went to Madinah Munawra, but it is the place of the dawning of the final and last messenger sallallahu alayhi wa And you may also warn all of those who are around her. Hawl initially means those who are in the immediate precincts and immediate surroundings of Makkah Makkah But because Makkah Makkah is Ummul Qura, all of the Qura, all of the cities, settlements, human inhabitants are viewed to be around Makkah Makkah in expanding concentric circles. So this is actually the universal aspect of the Nubuat of Sayyidina Rasulullah that the Prophet has come as a Prophet to Makkah Makkah but to all human settlements and communities for all of time around that city. And what should you warn them? You should warn about the day that they will be gathered. Yawm al-Jama means the day of assembly, the day of gathering. Layri bafi, about, about which there is no doubt whatsoever. Farikun fil jannati wa farikun fil sa'ir. And a group, it will be a group who are in Jannah and a group that will be in the blazing inferno. So here Allah tells very simply made it clear that there is a binary division in Akhirah. Either people will be in Jannah or people will be in Sa'ir, not even Naar, but Sa'ir, which is again, we would translate that as blazing inferno or the blazing fire. Allahu and if Allah Ta'ala had so willed, La Ja'alahum Ummatum Wahida, Allah Ta'ala would have made you an entire single nation and people. What does this mean? Now this can mean number one that Allah subhanahu wa could have been all humanity, all insan from the Ummat of Iman. All insan from the Ummat of Iman. In that case then Everybody would go to Jannah. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't do that. Instead, He chose to endow humanity with a freedom, a freedom to disbelieve in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a freedom to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then when He has given them that freedom, then those who exercise that freedom correctly will be rewarded with Jannah and those who exercise that freedom incorrectly will be punished with the fire of Jahannam. And rather than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will admit and enter whom so He wills, admit whom He wills to His divine mercy. And the wrongdoers, the sinners, the unjust, the oppressors, they will not have any wali, no friend, no protector, no benefactor. No, they will have any helper, any assistant, they will have no savior. 
And is it that they have chosen to adopt protectors and patrons apart from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And Allah is truly the real soul protecting friend, the only wali, al wali. And Allah SWT is that being who gives life to death. And Allah SWT has power over all things. And each and every matter about which, whatever it is that you differ upon and disagree about, and the decisive judgment about this matter belongs to Allah Ta'ala alone. And this is Allah Ta'ala, my Rabb, alayhi tawakkaltu, and upon Allah and on Him alone exclusively do I trust. And to him alone do I turn. Unib, again I've done this before. Turn in repentance, turn in yearning. Father Samawat wal Ard, he's the original creator of the heavens and the earth. And Allah Subhanahu has made mates for you from your own selves. And he has made pairs of livestock or pairs of pasturing animals for you. <coughs> And this, and Allah Subhanahu wa has uh, created you within the wombs of your mothers. Laysa kimithlihi shay, and there is nothing at all that is even remotely like, and even can resemble. Nothing is like the mithal of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, basir, and Allah Subhanahu is all hearing, all seeing. This ayah of Quran Kareem, laysa kimithlihi shay on. Very important ayah, Surah 42, verse 11. This is viewed as the core ayah about Allah SWT. Every other single ayah about Allah SWT will have to fall under the purview of this. So what does it mean when Allah SWT, for example, says in Quran that he has a yad, he has a hand. The fact that he has a hand, yadullahi fauqa aidihim, that Allah SWT's hand is over their hands, must necessarily be understood in light of this verse, Laysa kamithlihi shay. So it means that his yad is not like any other yad. So what does it mean? So when we hear the word hand, we attach to a jism that it's a corporeal entity, surat that it has some physicality, tajazi that it is a juz, it is a part. So any and all human concepts of hand are negated by this ayah. So this is why the True early ulama came up with the position of tawakkuf and bilakayf. What does it mean that we will suspend doing any interpretation at all of what it means that Allah Ta'ala has a hand? We will view that just like we view hamim, that Allah Ta'ala knows best. That we believe he has a yad, but there's no way we can conceptualize of that yad in any way because he is not, there's nothing that about Allah Ta'ala that is like or resembling to anything. This is referring to Allah Ta'ala's zat. However, his sifat, his sifat, you will find the mythal of that in this world. And that's why Allah Ta'ala uses words. So for example, the mythal of his rahmah is rahmatul al-alameen, is the mercy and compassion of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu The mythal of his being al-kareem and can be the generosity of a person in this world. The mythal of his being al-afu is that he has told us, wa'afina anannas, that we also should afu, we also should be pardoning of others. So in terms of his sifat, not his zat, but in terms of his sifat, then there are likenesses to him. 
So that is why a second possible and acceptable interpretation of things like Allah Ta'ala having a yad is that we say yad is not referring to the zat of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala, that is a hand. Rather yad is referring to a sifat, means his attribute of power, his attribute of control, his attribute of help. So that is another possibility. But either way, the master ayah in which all of Allah subhanahu wa zat and sifat will be understood is laysa kemithlihi shay'un, that nothing at all is has the likeness of him. Lo maqali du samawati wal ard and to Allah subhanahu wa alone belong the <coughs> keys of the heavens and the earth and yabsudu rizqa liman yasha'u wa yaqdir innahu bi kulli shay'in alim Allah Ta'ala expands risk for whomsoever he wants and he constricts it or sets limits upon it and sets limits on it forever he wants indeed he is all knowing over each and every single Verse 13, Allah, Shara alakum minad deen. Shara alakum minad deen. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, this is shara'a from sharia. You can say Allah ta'ala has prescribed and ordained for you the deen. Ma wasa bihi nuham walladhi awhayna ilayk. The same deen that he ordained for and enjoined and ordained for or prescribed or enjoined upon Sayyidina Salam, the same deen Walladi Ohaina Ilaik, the same deen that we have revealed upon to you, Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Bihi Ibrahima, and the same deen that we had bequeathed upon Sayyidina Ibrahim Salam, and the same deen that we bequeathed upon Sayyidina Musa Salam, and the same deen that we bequeathed upon Sayyidina Isa Salam. And what is that? An akimuddina, and that you should be steadfast on that deen, wala and you should not differ about it or be disunited in it or be divided in it. Okay. So first thing is that what is this referring to? This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making clear in Quran al-Karim that there's something called deen, and the deen of the Prophet is the same as the deen of the Anbiya. This is referring to basic aqaids such as tawheed, resurrection, belief in all of the Prophets, belief in scripture, belief in the miracles of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, belief that Allah ta'ala alone is alam al-ghayb, etc., etc. However, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned elsewhere in Surah Number five, Surah Al-Maida, that all of the Anbiya were given different Sharia and different Manhaj. Minhaj means that they were given different laws. So the laws of all of these Prophets have been different. For example, the Sharia of the Prophet is very different from the Sharia of Musa Islam, which was very different from the Sharia of Sayyidina Nul Islam. But in terms of deen, in terms of common factors and basic principles, that is the same in all of the religion of the Anbiya. Therefore, when Allah subhanahu wa said here in Quran, it means that you should be deen, you should be steadfast on that deen, and you should not ever divide when it comes to those same basic tenets of deen. This is a gross misconception that some uh, new ideological movements uh, the quote-unquote Salafi or Wahhabi or Al-Hadith, they quote this ayah and they try to apply this to the scholars of Tafsir that they have different interpretations of Qur'an or scholars of Hadith who have different gradings of Hadith or scholars of Fiqh, the jurists who have come to different ijtihad. This ayah is not about that at all. In fact, that is not covered in this ayah. What it means is you should not come to any difference in aqaid. It's the same deen. For example, one aspect of that deen is that all of these earlier anbiya were told by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their kitab, in their wahi, that Sayyidina Rasulullah is the last and final prophet and messenger. 
So firqa here, the tafarruku firqa, means to take a separate theological sect and do such a separation that you depart from the common and shared theological tenets from amongst and between all of the anbiya. Right? So different, and this is uh, for you to a second, if you want to understand what are the teachings in our deen about these multiple interpretations of tafsir and multiple gradings and interpretation of hadith and multiple legal positions so that you can understand clearly from the hadith of Sayyidina Rasulullah so in hadith that is narrated by the Muslim of Ahmad and the Sunan of Abu Dawood is what the Nabi Akram mentioned about the jama'ah and he said that indeed the person who strays from the jama'ah they will lose the collar of deen from their neck so this is why we refer to ourselves as Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. So Jama'ah means the plurality, the preponderance. Jama'atul Mufassirin. We accept all of the Jama'at of the Mufassirin. Jama'atul Muhaddithin. We accept the, all of the Muhaddithin. Jama'atul Fuqaha wal Mujtahideen. We accept all of the legal jurists, whether Shafi, Hanafi, Maliki, Hanbali. We accept all of them as Deen. All of them are inside part and parcel of Deen of Islam. Similarly, Jamaatul Siddiqeen, Sadiqeen, Oliya, we accept all of them as part of Deen. Another hadith, uh, Hassan hadith narrated by in the Jami of Imam al Tirmidhi, Sayyidina Rasulullah, that the help and protection of Allah subhanahu is on the Jama'ah. Another hadith in the Muslim of Imam Ahmad, Sayyidina Rasulullah, that Shaitan is like a wolf who tries to uh, attacking a flock of sheep and he's going to target the sheep that strays from the flock just like that in my ummah a person who strays from the jama'ah will be susceptible to the attacks of shaitan so we go with the plurality with the preponderance with the majority we go with the collective even jama'ah doesn't necessarily mean majority that is jama'ah jama means the collective so we follow collective traditions of scholarship we won't follow one scholar alone on their own. We won't follow one funded movement. We want to follow a collectivity. We want to follow a jama'ah of scholars of tafsir, scholars of hadith, scholars of fiqh, and scholars of dhikr and tazkiyah. So this had to be made clear because unfortunately a lot of people misinterpret and misrepresent this verse. Whether they genuinely misunderstand it, that is also not acceptable because you cannot teach Qur'an al-Karim if you don't have knowledge. Or worse, if they deliberately misrepresent it, then that is absolutely not acceptable in our deen. So finishing up this ayah, That it will indeed be weighty on the idolaters, on the mushrikeen. It is a tremendous thing that is going to weigh upon them. Uh, What you, what you, what you're calling them to is weighty for them. What does it mean? So it means, number one, that the Mushrikeen found it difficult to leave their multiple gods and believe in one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Second, the Mushrikeen were finding it difficult to believe in Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu because they're, they're the, the, in the pre-Islamic Arabia, they had mapped their religion with money. In other words, within the Mushrikeen and their religion, the religious elders were the ones who had power and wealth in society. The ones who were wealthy, they were the ones who were given keys of Kaaba. The ones who were wealthy were viewed as religious elders. So because Sayyidina Rasulullah was not from the affluent elite classes, so they were finding it difficult to accept him as a Nabi. So either way, it is a tremendous great weight and burden on them. What that which you are calling them, you Nabi Akram, are calling them towards what you are doing Dawah towards. Then Allah Ta'ala makes it clear, Allahu yajtabi ilayhi man yasha. 
and this means literally ijtiba is it means to select to draw close so it means that Allah subhanahu wa whomsoever Allah ta'ala chooses for himself whomsoever he wills wayahdi ilayhi man yunib and then Allah ta'ala will guide towards him whomsoever is munib we've done this for you several times yunib is penitent and is yearning so the ijtiba here some Muslims say this refers to the anbiya Allah ta'ala chooses whomsoever he wants to be amongst the anbiya and then from the non-anbiya Allah ta'ala will guide whosoever is my yunib who is turning towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yearning for Allah ta'ala seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَمَا تَفَلَّقُوا إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَهُمُ الْإِلْمُ بَغْيًا بَيْنَهُمْ Again, this is referring to Mushrikeen and previous communities that they only divided and became disunited and then بَغْيًا بَيْنَهُمْ They had oppression and animosity for one another. They only did that after مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَهُمُ الْإِلْمُ After knowledge came to them. Then again, this is referring to previous ummas that after, whenever a scripture, Allah Ta'ala is giving the biggest of tisalli, whenever scripture came, people would divide. So when Musa was given the Injil, people divided. Some of the Jews accepted, some of them didn't accept, and some non-Jews didn't accept. When the scripture was given to the Jews, some accepted, some didn't accept. So divisions come after ilm. This is because Sayyidina Rasulullah was feeling that once the ilm, ilm here means the wahi, kitab, nabuwa, quran, deen, once it has come, it's clear, it's manifest, why would people divide? So they'll say, no, in all of human history, divisions come when people have, after knowledge has come to them. Because they defer about it, whether they agree with it, they disagree with it, they defer and disagree about, there's something to disagree about. وَلَوْ لَكَلِمَةٌ سَبَقَتْ مِنْ رَبِّكَ إِلَىٰ أَجْلٍ مُسَمَّةٌ Same thing that we've done many times already in Qur'an. That if it not been for a sentence and decree proceeding from your Rabb, which has, means has delayed their punishment until a prescribed term, if it had not been for that, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that Allah ta'ala would have لَقُذِيَ بَيْنُهُمْ That Allah ta'ala would have decisively judged between them. Judgment and decision would have made between them. When the and as far as those to whom the kitab was bequeathed, scripture, scriptural revelation was bequeathed to them after them, they are remaining in grave doubt concerning that scripture. So the end part is then addressing the Ahl Kitab, and this is referring to the Jews and Christians, that they inherited this division uh, first in between being between Jews and Christians, and they inherited this nature of the earlier Ahl Kitab communities of differing about subsequent revelation that was revealed to them. Some ulama say that no, this is actually referring to the Quraysh uh, and the Mushrikeen of Makkah Mukarramah that just as they were divided about the Jewish and Christian scriptures, just like that they were divided about the Quran al Karim. In verse 15 onwards, Allah SWT is going to mention, if we can count correctly, I believe 10 things that Allah SWT is going to tell Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. And this is again now referring to that deen. And therefore, dalika, dalika means the dalika deen, that same deen that has come on the previous anbiya. So then, as far as that deen goes, you should make dawah towards that deen. So the first commandment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives Sayyidina Sallam is dawah. That you must invite people towards that deen. Second, wastaqim kama umirta. And second, you must be steadfast and upright and persevere, kama umirta, as you have been commanded. So what does it mean that not only must one invite deen, but one, once one person invites people to deen, so either you will become slack yourself, you will not be able to persevere, or people will oppress you, prosecute you, persecute you, 
oppose you. So you have to have istiqamat. You will have to be strong in order to continue in that dawah in the face of that opposition. Third, wala ahwa'uhum that don't follow their means the mushrikeen and the kuffars don't follow their whims and desires. What does that mean? Number one, that don't make any compromises in deen for their sake because many times the mushrikeen tried to get the apostles some to do that. Number two, don't follow any of their ways. Ahwa uh, also means their ways, their habits, their demeanors, their temperaments, their policies. Don't follow any of that whatsoever. Number four, Bukul and declare Amantu Bima Anzalallahu min Kitab that I believe in the book that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that what has been revealed by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in this book, and Wa Umirtu Le'Aqdila Bainakum. And then number six, if the number is correct, that we should and you should declare to them, and I've been commanded La'Aqdila Le'Aqdila that I should be just to you, and I should be just and maintain justice. To establish and maintain justice between all of you. Allahu Rabbuna wa Rabbukum. Seven then declared to him, Allah tells our Rabb and he's also your Rabb. So shows them the commonality. Right? This is not some foreign God. This is our God and your God. I'm calling you to believe in the one and only God who is our God, your God, the God of all. Lana a'malana bulakum a'malukum. And indeed then our deeds will be for us and your deeds and actions will be for you. What does that mean? That whatever we will be responsible for your our acts and you will be responsible for your acts. La hujata bainana wa bainukum. And there is no dispute, no argument between us and between you. Let there be no argument or dispute between us and you. Allahu yajma'u bainana. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can join us and gather us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will gather us all together. وَإِلَيْهِ الْمَسِيرِ And to Allah SWT alone is the ultimate return journey. So these are the things that Allah SWT told Nabi Akram how to call people towards this deen. By mentioning it is the one deen, to mention these commonalities. But, وَالَّذِينَ يُحَاجُونَ فِي اللَّهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ But those who continue to argue and dispute concerning Allah SWT مِنْ بَعْدِ مَسْتَجِيبُ لَهُ after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has been heard, means after Allah ta'ala has presented this Qur'an, لَهُ حُجَّتُهُمْ دَاهِذَةٌ إِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ وَأَلَيْهِمْ غَضَبٌ وَلَهُمْ عَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ And what will happen? Their argument is useless and invalid in front of their Rabb. And in fact, they are deserving and they will suffer a intense وَأَلَيْهِمْ غَضَبٌ They get the wrath of Allah tells wrath as anger is upon them. Allahum adabun shadeed, and they have earned an intense punishment. Allahu ladi anzal kitab bil haq. Allah tells that being who revealed the book, the Quran al-Karim, with haq. Wal mizan, and mizan means the balance. Wa ma yudriq la Allah saata karib, and how is it that you? What will make you understand and know? That indeed the sa'a, the end of time, the last moment is kareeb, is drawing near. And those who don't believe in the sa'a, they are trying to hasten it. And those who believe, 
مُشْفِقُونَ مِنْهَا And those who believe in it, they fear it. وَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّهَا الْحَقِّ And they know, they have the deep knowledge and deep belief that indeed it is the truth. أَلَا إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُمَارُونَ فِي السَّاءَ That indeed those who are in doubt and quarrel about the end of time, the فِيدَلَالٍ بَبِيدٍ The فِيدَلَالٍ بَبِيدٍ They have gone into a far deviation. They are indeed far astray. Allahu latifun bi ibadihi But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is latif Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sweetly kind to mortals Yarzuku man yasha And he sends his risk upon whomsoever he wills Wa huwal qawiyyul aziz And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all powerful and all mighty Alright Here uh, This mizan The mizan refers to the adl and insaf The justice and equity that Sayyidina Rasulullah was sent with because this was the second thing he had said, right? That I have been, I believe in, Bima Anzalallahu min kitab, what has been revealed by Allah in the book, wa umirtu li adila. So this method of adil is known as the mizan. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Sayyidina Rasulullah in the Quran and also this adjudicative capacity to establish equity and justice and fairness and balance on earth. That is the meaning of mizan. Then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is dying, when the qiyamah is close, this is what I've mentioned to you already, that even though the time is not specified and known, it's viewed to be close in the sense that once the last book, last scripture, last deen, last prophet, last messenger have come, that means humanity in terms of its how many hundreds of thousands or millions of years of history, humanity is now in its end game, in its final stage. What does this mean when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used the sifat of his latif, so Latif itself, because it is Latif, it has a very Latif meaning. It means, I said sweetly kind. Some may translate it as... Kind, right? Ibad. Uh, Ibad here is not referring to the servants and slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here, if you can take it one way, Latif, Ibad can mean the Mu'mineen, those who are doing Ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, worshipping him, those who have Ubudiyya, who submitted to him as servants and slaves. Second, Ibad can just mean mortal creatures, just mean humans, because we've seen sometimes Allah ta'ala, Ibad is used in that sense. Alright? Latif means that number one, uh, if you take it to mean worshipful servants, that Latif means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rewards his servants for the ibadah and ubudiyah that they have. This is out of his lutf, out of his kindness. Second, it means that Allah does latif, he is kind and soft and gentle with them, that he has not commanded that la yukallafullahu nafsan illa wasaha, he has not burdened a soul beyond their capacity. Third, latif is something that came earlier, that Allah Ta'ala is mustajab, he answers, he answers all of the pleas and supplications. So this is also his lutf, his kindness and sweetness to people that he answers and hears and never rejects their pleas for dua in the different ways that we mention. Allah Ta'ala answers them, but he will answer them one way or the other. Finally, another way it can mean that those who have hope in Allah SWT, those who have hope or keep and continue their hope in Him, Allah SWT will never let them be hopeless. But nonetheless, also here you would say that Allah SWT mentioned that He is Latif to His Ibad, He gives to whom so He wants, but He is also Al-Qawil Aziz, He is also All-Powerful and Almighty. Verse 20 is also an oft-recited, oft-commented ayah of Quran. We once gave a lecture on this. Man kana yuridu al-akhirah That whomsoever desires the harvest and fruit of the akhirah, 
Nazidlahu fi harthihi. Allah says, We will certainly increase his harvest and fruit for him. However, dunya, but whomsoever wants the harvest and fruit of the dunya, minha, we will grant him some of it, we will give him some of it, but he will have no share whatsoever in the akhirah. So what this is eye is clear. People say that no, I want dunya. Allah does it clearly in Quran, Surah 42, verse 20, that if they want the harth of the dunya, so you have to make it clear, one is your hajat of dunya, one is your needs of dunya, one is your reasonable comfort of dunya, one is the harth of the dunya, that you simply want more and more and more. And the reason this example is given, because if harth, so for example, if you're a farmer, and this, I'm not saying this eye applies to farmers, but the likeness of the harvest and fruit, so if you have... Farms of wheat or orchards of mangoes, it's beyond your need. You can eat just a few mangoes and you can have a few rotis a day, right? So, although the farmer may do that, to sell that to earn a living for the other necessities he needs in life, but let's just say the farmer has everything. Like you will find people, right, from this class of society, that they retire, so you ask them, that, what are you doing? So, bazameen, prathori, wal kheti, bari just to pass the time, right? So what does that mean? They have no need. It's not their haja. It's not their need. It's not their comfort. So imagine if that person was really successful and they're standing in the middle of this vast field of wheat or you know, whatever, rice paddies or mangoes. It's nothing that they need. It's all superfluous for them. It's all zayed. It's all extraneous for them. So this is what I'll saying, Quran, but that's what it means by harvest. Something that is superfluous and extraneous. But if somebody wants extra in the akhirah, Somebody wants more and more in the Akhirah. Now Allah says we will give him more and even increase him in the more that he wants. But if somebody wants more of this dunya, then we will give him a bit of that more. We will give him some of that more. But then if they want more of the dunya, then they will have no share in the Akhirah whatsoever. It's in Quran. Right? This is why you should realize again when people tell you to balance desire for dunya with desire for akhirah. No, it's a flaw. It's a falsehood. It's against Quran. It's not possible. There will be no balance. They will not have any share, any portion whatsoever. Whatsoever. And that I'm translating the Arabic min and even the tanween on nasib, nasibin, even tanween comes to indicate that they will have no portion thereof whatsoever. That's the way you would translate the entire Arabic here. They will have no portion thereof whatsoever. Why? If they, if what? If yuridu hart dunya, if their irada, their desire, their yearning is for the extraneous stuff in this world. This is why there's no concept of balance. Our irada has to be for akhirah. Our kasb, our earning is in this world. Our needs in this world. Our reasonable comfort in this world. But our irada, our irada, our yearning, that is going to be for the akhirah. And you would remember Allah Ta'ala in Surah Baqarah verse 261 mentions that He can increase a person's harvest 700 fold and in that Allah does use that example right that those who spend on the path of Allah sponsors out of a kernel which grows 7 ears in each ear there's another 100 kernels so they get 700 rewards for what they do alright verse 21 
Amlahum shuraka'u. Is it that they have, do they have partners who have laid down for them some deen? Shara'u. So again, the word is coming from sharia. Shara'uluhum minad deen. Have they laid down, enjoined, ordained something in deen? Ma lam ya'zin bihillah. That which Allah subhanahu wa has not permitted them. So this again is an ayah that is mentioned, let's say, talking to you about Islamic law. That when it comes to the legal injunctions of deen, the sharia of deen, that we cannot do anything, right, that ma lam ya'zam bihillah. Anything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not permitted and allowed, we cannot do that when it comes to laws and legal injunctions. And whatever we are looking at, that is also called shirk. It could be secularism, it could be something else, it could be British colonial, post-colonial law, it could be the Anglo-Indo-Anglo-Oriental Mohammedan code that they had in India. Anything that we do other than what, in terms of Sharia, other than what Allah subhanahu wa has legislated and permitted, is actually a type of shirk. And if it not, again, had been for that decisive Mm, decisive judgment and decree and sentence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then Allah ta'ala would have decided the matter between them what does that mean again that Allah ta'ala has decided that all of this will be settled on the day of judgment otherwise Allah ta'ala could have if he wanted to settled and judge it between them in this world indeed those who are unjust and oppressive Right, and this is suggesting here that those who legislate law other than that which Allah has permitted are zalimin. Lahum adabun alim, they will have a very painful, excruciatingly painful punishment in the akhirah. That you will see that those undoers and unjust, wrongdoers and unjust oppressors, they're in fear. Why? Mimma kasabu, they're on fear on account of what they have earned. And then what has befallen them and what is happening to them? However, those who have iman and do righteous deeds and acts of virtue, and they will be in the gardens of Jannah. And they will have whatever they wish and desire uh, with their Rabb, in the presence of their Rabb. And indeed this is the greatest fadl, this is the greatest bounty and blessing and favor of Allah SWT on them. And thus does Allah SWT give the glad tidings to those of His ibad, His worshipful servants who have iman, who have faith and conviction and do amal salah, who do righteous acts and good deeds. Qul say to the Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Ajra that I do not ask from you any reward, any compensation for this dawah. Illa illal mawaddata fil qurba except for love between kin and relatives. hasana and whomsoever mm, will bring about a good Nazid Lahu Allah Ta'ala says that we will increase them fiha husna, we will increase their virtue and nobility therein. In Allahfurun Shakur and indeed Allah Subhanahu is all forgiving. Shakur, not Allah Ta'ala is giving thanks to us, it means Shakur he's appreciative. He will value the good deeds. He will value the itaat and the worship and the obedience that people do. If they obey his command, Allah Ta'ala will be shakur of that. He will appreciate that and value that and reward that obedience and compliance to his rules. So here you have one thing 
that the false Islam is telling them that look I have no recompense for that except one thing uh, and that is that uh, I mean I do everything just to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but there's one thing that I want you to honor uh, and have love for the kinship ties this verse has two meanings one is this general meaning that we mentioned right that Nabiya Karim Sassam is personally asking us as Allah Ta'ala has revealed him to do in Quran that we should be for the Prophet Sassam's sake we should honor family ties but the original context of the, the Sabah bin Azul of this, the original occasion for the revelation of this verse was the Prophet was saying that you should be honor the Quraysh and this was being done to win over the Quraysh then Nabiya Karim Sassam was Allah Ta'ala revealed to him that okay when you go and make Dawah yes you're making da'wah to lots of non-Quraysh. Lots of non-Quraysh are coming. The Quraysh feel they're losing their privileged position because they were the privileged group in the religion of shirk. And they feel they're no longer going to be privileged in the religion of deen of Islam because lots of non-Quraysh are coming. So at that point, then Allah subhanahu revealed to the Prophet this ayah that you should ask them, the people who you're inviting towards deen, that I ask of nothing you personally, but I ask you to maintain your mawadda, which means your fondness and affection for the people of Quraysh. And that's why some people then, and their hadith also that suggest similar things, that for this whole ummah, that injunction remains, and that we are supposed to love the Arab, and the Arab actually means the Quraysh Arab, right? Now, you may say that, well, if I go to Saudi Arabia and there's a particular person who mistreats me in Makkah Makarramah and you want me to love him. So, mawadda means, right, don't think to love the unjust despite their injustice, but it means to maintain a certain decorum, a certain respect, for example, if an ordinary man on the road was to be unjust to you, there would be one particular way you would behave with him. You may react, you may try to counter his injustice. But if your dad's best friend acted, you know, was unjust to you, you would still, you may still counter that, but there will be a certain what we call comportment, a certain propriety, a certain adab with which you would repel that injustice because you would do like you said, the dehaz of the fact that this person is your dad's best friend. So that is the attitude of all mu'mineen towards the Quraysh. That because Nabiya Karim Salaam is from the Quraysh, that we will have a certain lihaz of them for all time to come. Alright? So these are the multiple meanings over here. And did I finish this ayah? Uh, one more ayah, verse number 24. Or have they, do they say about the Prophet ﷺ that he's invented and fabricated a lie against Allah SWT? So here Allah says that, فَإِن يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ That if Allah Ta'ala had willed, يَخْتِمْ عَلَىٰ قَلْبِكَ That Allah Ta'ala could, Allah is telling the Prophet ﷺ, Allah Ta'ala could set a seal on your heart. What it means is that, no, if there's no way, if the Prophet would ever, again, it's an absolute inconceivable, not even hypothetical, inconceivable possibility. But what Allah is saying here is that no one can fabricate and attribute a lie to Allah SWT. Even if Sayyidina Rasulullah whatever in, 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 if one was to conjecture about the impossible, was ever to do so, Allah Ta'ala saying that if Allah Ta'ala wants, He can set a seal, He can seal up your heart. And Allah Ta'ala will erase and obliterate all falsehood. And Allah Ta'ala will establish or verify, verify the truth. With His words, with the divine word, with scripture. Indeed, Allah Subhanahu is all-knowing of everything that the breasts harbor, everything that is in the hearts. Right? This was that 
last ayah in that passage. It means that there's no way Sayyidina Rasulullah can ever send a fabrication. So the point is Allah Ta'ala is saying is Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is governing this process of Wahi and Quran. No one can tamper with Quran. No one can fabricate anything in Quran and falsely attribute it to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And this is again one of those many ayat in Quran of mercy that you should take note of. Surah 42, verse 25. And Allah Subhanahu wa Allah, He, He is that being who accepts the repentance on behalf of His servants and slaves. And He pardons and forgives them for their sayyat, for their vices, for their evil deeds, for their sins. All the while where he knew each and every single thing that you do and every act that you commit. And Allah Subhanahu responds to those who believe and those who do righteous deeds. And He increases His fadl and His bounty and His favor upon them. But as far as the disbelievers, for them there will be a severe punishment. So here another ayah and Allah Subhanahu mentioning His incredible love for the believers that He will respond to them he, whether that means He answers their du'as for risk or sustenance the halal and tayyib of this world whether it means He will respond to them when they ask Him to increase him, them in taqwa and in haya and iman and in dhikr and in sabr and shukr and sifat of mu'mineen وَيَزِيدُهُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ Again the fadl can be both the fadl in terms of the risk of this world fadl can also mean the nasib of the akhirah so Allah Ta'ala will increase them when they call upon him. So what it means is that when we don't make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're missing out on his response, we're missing out on the fuzzle that he wants to give us, all just because we say we're lazy to make dua. So we shouldn't underestimate how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give. There's a tremendous amount, a limitless, infinite amount that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to give. And the first ayah, of course, Many topics can be, many, much can be, time can be spent on the topic of Toba and Allah Ta'ala accepting it. But the point here was, Allah Ta'ala accepts Toba and pardons sins even though He knows everything that we do. And that may even be understood that even though He knows He will do it again in the future. <laughs> that same Allah Ta'ala looking down at that Haji and Arafat is accepting His Dua Makfrat, well knowing three years from now back in Lahore He's going to do a sin again. Right? Allah Ta'ala knows all of that. So this is another aspect of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. This is incredible mercy. No human could forgive another person if they knew in the future they would betray them again. If they had crystal clear knowledge that yes, two years from now they're going to be disloyal to me again, there's no way a human could find it within them, that mercy to forgive that person now. Allah Ta'ala alone is that being who can accept people's tawbah and forgive them for their sins even though He knows everything that they've done up till now plus He knows what they're going to do in the future. This is Allah. This is another whole topic and this was the verse I many times tried to do ishara towards that if Allah Ta'ala was to expand the risk li'ibadihi for his worshipful servants then what would happen surely they would then rebel and be unjust on this earth means that they would sin they would start disobeying Allah Ta'ala they would be ungrateful to him they would hurt and harm one another they would oppress one another they would have class oppression over one another so this is what Allah is saying, that this is the reason why sometimes the ibad, the worshipful servants, don't have abundant risk. 
Because Allah Ta'ala knows if He was to grant them abundant risk, it would corrupt them. Like they say, English power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So here sometimes material wealth corrupts the spirituality of a person. And this ayah itself is establishing that as a direct correlation. The more extraneous material wealth and love for greed and love for the dunya you have, the more it will affect your spirituality. So how, what does Allah do? وَلَكِنْ يُنَزِّلُ بِقَدْرٍ مَا يَشَاءُ So instead, then Allah subhanahu sends down what He wills in risk in a measured way, in a measured portion. إِنَّهُ بِعِبَادِهِ خَبِيرٌ بَسِيرٌ Indeed, Allah subhanahu is certainly all aware, uh, all informed and all aware over His ibad, over His servants and slaves. Or you can translate ibad as all of His bondsmen, all of His mortal, all of His creatures. So this means that when Allah Ta'ala may send it down biqadr, means gradually in accordance with our ability to absorb that wealth without being, without being rebellious because of it, without being sinful because of it. And Allah Ta'ala is that being who has sent down rain after mimba'dih. But after which they became despaired of it, after which they despaired of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And Allah ta'ala spreads His mercy, and Allah ta'ala is the protecting, the protecting friend, and Allah hamid the soul being worthy of praise. And from Allah ta'ala's signs is the creation of the heavens and the earth. Uh, as well as every animal and creature that he has dispersed therein and this means therein can mean inside uh, because fihima in the two all the creatures that he has dispersed inside the heavens and all the creatures that he's propagated on earth and Allah Ta'ala, whenever He pleases, His absolute power, His Qadir, to jama, to gather all of them together at will. And every single thing that afflicts you and whatever adversity and trial difficulty befalls you, it is because of what literally your own hands have earned. It means what your own deeds have earned you. وَيَعْفُوا أَنْ كَثِيرٌ But Allah subhanahu wa pardons a great deal of what you do. وَيَعْفُوا أَنْ كَثِيرٌ Allah ta'ala pardons and forgives a great deal of what you do. What does it mean? That a lot of what you do goes pardoned. But still if you do a lot, then the difficulties, Allah ta'ala will send a difficulty to you on this world as punishment. We think that okay, we did one sin, Allah ta'ala is punishing us for one sin. No, we did million sins. Allah Ta'ala waived the first few million and then fine, we still continued even though Allah Ta'ala waived or forgave the first few million then Allah Ta'ala sent a punishment to us on this earth. Punishment means in terms of Allah Ta'ala will send some test or trial or tribulation to us on earth. And you cannot escape Allah Ta'ala on earth in any way. There is no way that you can flee or you can escape Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. And 
and you will have no protecting friend besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and no helper besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means that once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends that adversity there is no way that we can escape that difficulty we just have to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in sabr and dua that He lift that difficulty up but we cannot escape it or outrun it ourselves when ayatin from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the ships uh, that are on the sea, ships that run or sail on the sea, Kal-a'lam, like mountains, in yasha yuskin reha, and if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants, you could make the wind come to a standstill. فَيَضْلَلْنَا رَوَاكِنَا عَلَى ظَهْرِهِ And then what would happen is that the ships would become immobile on the back of the sea. Means that they would come to be at a standstill, become stationary on the surface of the ocean. إِنَّ فِي ذَلَكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِكُلِّ سَمْبَارٍ شُكُورٍ And indeed in that there are ayat signs from Allah Ta'ala for each and every sabbar, person who is extremely patient and every person who is Shakur, who is extremely grateful. So those with patience and gratitude will see that as a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This can also mean literally that when it does happen, when people used to sail the ocean, that the wind would stop, they would be patient. And then when the wind would come again, they would be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the entire journey, ocean journey, was characterized by these two states. Patience when the wind was still and gratitude when the wind was blowing. And they would make an entire journey in that way. But another option Allah Ta'ala has it if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. Oh you you mikhunna, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can annihilate them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could ruin them. Bima kasabu due to what they do. And as Allah Ta'ala forgives the kathir, but if Allah Ta'ala wanted to, He could annihilate us and eradicate us and ruin us due to the abundant things that we do. Wayafu an kathir. But in there in that and again Allah Ta'ala says, but yet here you translate wow as and yet Ya'fu an kathir, and yet Allah Ta'ala pardons and forgives kathir a great deal, a great amount. وَيَعْنَمَ الَّذِينَ يُجَادِلُونَ فِي آيَاتِنَا And Allah Subh'anaHu Wa min Mahis and those who dispute concerning the verses of Allah's revelation or concerning His signs, let them then know that there is no mahis, there is no escape for them. Alright. So here we got a very important thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives the vast majority of things that we do kathir of our a'mal. So what does it mean? Then there are a few things left. It means that Allah ta'ala, here ya'fu means Allah ta'ala forgives and pardons without us even asking for istighfar. Without that. Prior to that. So what does it mean? There are a few such things that yes we do that are so enormous in Allah ta'ala's eyes that if we don't Make istighfar and tawbah, then Allah Ta'ala won't forgive them. And another way it means that Allah Ta'ala's pardoned in the sense that it would befit him, as Allah Ta'ala said, that if he want, he could bring us to ruin and destroy us because of our sins, but he hasn't. So what is that? Is it because we've begged Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness and made istighfar and tawbah for every single such sin that has made us worthy of having ruin sent upon us? No, it's because Allah Ta'ala on his own has chose to pardon and forgive us for the vast majority of our sins and transgressions. فَمَا أُوتِيتُمْ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَمَتَاءُ الْحَيَاةِ dunya. So whatever it is that you have been given, min shay from anything, whatever you were given is just but 
Mata is just provision for the life of this world. It's just an article of provision in the life of this world. وَمَا إِنَّ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ وَأَبْقَى However, what is with Allah SWT that is better وَأَبْقَى and that is more lasting لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا For those who believe for those who believe and those who are ever and always trusting and depending on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala okay first thing number one this is now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning several um, several sifat let's count them out by number so number one was that this what is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what is with Allah ta'ala is better and more lasting for number one for number one amanu those who have iman and number two, that who on their rub alone do they have tabakkal and trust and reliance and dependence? Number three, and these are those who abstain from the major sins, that they avoid and abstain from major sins. And attribute number four, and they abstain from base immorality. Fawahish, crude immorality, lewd, lewd immorality. وَإِذَا مَا هُمْ يَغْفِرُونَ And fifth category, fifth sifat, is that when they are angered, مَا when they feel angry, هُمْ يَغْفِرُونَ They forgive. So they are the people who, when they are angered, they forgive. Number six, وَالَّذِينَ اسْتَجَابُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ and number six, they are those who respond and hearken, means to the call of their Rabb. What is Allah, what is the call of the Rabb? That is obedience. They call and follow the ahkam ilahi. And number seven, wa'aqamu salata, and they practice their salah regularly. And number eight, wa'amruhum shura bainuhum. And then they conduct their affairs and matters by mutual consultation. And number nine, I may have lost count, but the next number nine, and they spend and give and donate from that which we have provided them. And number ten, and when the those when bagi when oppression and when oppression and injustice afflicts them, they defend themselves. They defend themselves against that. So here you have ten attributes that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has mentioned in this passage of Quran. Few have gone before. Few are new. So we will try to comment on those very briefly. So number one, those who have iman that is done tawakkul Allah. This some maybe we haven't spoken about. Tawakkul does not mean to leave asbab. As many people think, tawakkul means tarki asbab. Okay, leave everything. No. Tawakkul means ikhtiyarul asbab, making use of every halal available, me halal means available to you, and then leaving the outcome entirely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of your efforts. 
Because you will see sometimes your efforts lead to something, sometimes lead to nothing, sometimes they lead to more, something lead to less. So the concept of tawakkul and deen is not a passive thing that do nothing and rely on Allah to do everything. No. Tawakkul means do everything you can and then be confident that Allah Ta'ala will do everything He can. That's what tawakkul means. Third attribute is they abstain from major sins. Now what are these kaba'ir? So first of all, this concept you have, no, kabira guna. I know it's in Quran. This is a Quranic term. But you say kabira guna. What are those sins that have been viewed by the ulama to be kaba'ir? So Imam al-Zahabi, he has a list of kaba'ir and... The second famous collection of Kabar, I can't remember. Imam Dhabis I have upstairs in the library. This is the second major one. Here, two most often cited collection of Kabar. How did those ulama make those lists? How did they compound those lists? So they say the Kabar, the enormous sins, are those sins for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Quran has mentioned a severe punishment. So Allah mentions some act of sin and then afterwards says Adabun Alim or says Adabun Adim. Allah has mentioned the word severe punishment before, after that sin. Or, let's say, Rasulullah, he says, or a sin that is something that is contrasted or in opposition to a fard or a wajib, something that is going against or contrary to an obligation in deen. Or, Sayyidina Rasulullah mentioned what we call a wa'id, he mentioned a severe warning or portent of warning for somebody who did that sin these are some of the ways that then the ulama, muhaddithin, mufassirin would decide which sins to label as kabair but nobody can hatman you cannot say for sure whether a sin is from the kabair or from the sagair and many times we've told you Ibn Qayyim al-Jazir used to say that you should not look at how great or how small the sin is don't look at whether it is min al-kabair or min al-sagair, but look at how kabir and akbar that Allah Ta'ala is against whom you are sinning. And in that sense, all sins become great. So but this means there is a little ishara here. That okay, look, who is a special category of people who will get more with Allah Ta'ala and better with Allah Ta'ala? At least they should stay away from the kabair. So that kathir that Allah Ta'ala is forgiving is maybe the mass amounts of minor sins, quote-unquote, but minor sins and infractions that we do. It's the kabair that get a person to trouble. So the next thing is a fawahisha, so I translate that for you as lewd immorality. It's really referring, it's the opposite of haya. Basically, fawahish is every sin and all sins that are contrary to haya. Contrary to haya. So you can call it shameless, being shameless or committing shameful acts, right? Lewd immorality. This is another thing that a person has to stay away from. I mean, these things are at least critical. And uh, so, behayai, this is what you would call it in Urdu. Fosh and fahashi, you call it that I think in Urdu. So, fawahish in Arabic, to stay away from that. And you will see, I mean, this is something that is so widespread today. The entire entertainment and media industry is basically 99% trying to promote this. Sometimes outwardly, outrageously, sometimes surreptitiously, right? Uh, you know, women from the industry are hired just on the basis of their looks. That's the only thing to look at. They're not going to look at your skill, how good your English is. They're going to see which girl is attractive. And these media hawks, they're like vultures. And they will find any girl who they find is attractive. And they want to put her on screen. Whether the girl is capable or not, whether she's interested or not. And they just convince her and they give her this rosy life, Right? Uh, this glamorous glitz and glamour of celebrity and then all the fancy clothes, right? And then it's all about why? 
It's all to create allure and attraction. It's all to create this life and environment and world of fawahish. Because our deen suggests that women are noble creatures. They're not to be known for their outward beauty. They're to be known for their inward beauty. They're not to be lusted after due to their zahir. But they're to be respected due to their batan. Due to their batani sifat. So deen wants a woman to be in a place of izza. And yes, you know, the great tragedy, a lot of the women, it's not really the women, it's the industry that we buy. A lot of the women are very sweet. They don't really know. They don't realize. They're just having fun on the camera. They have no idea that the people who are looking at them are these hundreds and thousands and millions of people who are looking at them with the wrong gaze. It doesn't occur to them. Why? Because shaitan does it. He gift straps sins. He makes things which are foul seem as if they're not foul. Right? And that is one of the greatest things that he has done, that through entertainment and media and celebrities. So it's something that a person has to stay away from entirely. And this is really the number one thing in Tirbiyat al-Aulad, that gets your children to stay away from fawahish. Get your children to stay away from fawahish. If you do that, then Allah Ta'ala can take care of a lot of other things. Right? Next thing, however, very interesting, along with these two major things, staying away from kabayrsin, Staying away from fawahish. What's another thing? Staying away from anger. Yes? Staying away from anger shows how major a sin anger is. And how much does Allah Ta'ala want them to stay away from it? إِذَا مَا غَضِبُوا That whenever they get this anger, هُمْ يَغْفِرُوا Not even that they swallow it, they forgive. <laughs> they obliterate the anger and they replace their anger with a pardoning, forgiving attribute. So it means it's very important. It's also a major thing Allah Ta'ala wants us to stay away from. Right up there with the Kabair al-Ithmi and with the Fawahish is our ghadab. Is that we have to take away our anger. Right? And then after that, then Allah Ta'ala says, those who respond to the commandments of Allah Ta'ala, who obey the Sharia, who pray Salah. So you should make it clear also, right, that basically just like Allah Ta'ala responds to our du'as, we want Allah Ta'ala to hear, listen, hearken, respond, grant all of our du'as, that there's an ijabah that we are all supposed to do that is mentioned here, that we are also supposed to respond and hearken to and answer to all of Allah Ta'ala's calls, so to speak, which is His injunctions, His commands, the ahkam shari, the ahkam ilahi, the commandments of Allah Ta'ala, the divine injunctions. Establish Salah. And obviously we have to spend some time on this. Because this is the whole surah is named after this. Right? So surah is the uh, And this is the that they decide their affairs on mutual consultation. This is, you know, really the master way of where Allah Ta'ala has mentioned how as families and societies we should come to decisions. There are two master attributes. The mutual consultation, let me put it in, in, in maybe proper English terms for you. And our MBA friends can correct me. Huh? Mutual consultation and executive decision. That is the concept of the Shura and Amir. Amir without Shura, no. Shura without Amir, no. And part of the myth of democracy is kind of a Shura without an Amir. The Shura itself being an Amir, no. Mutual consultation and executive decision. So Shura and Amir, Shura and Amir. This is the way our deen has put forth the governing body, a model for the governing body and for the decision. Alright? Here in this ayah, uh, Allah Ta'ala is talking about وَأَمْرُهُمْ Shura بَيْنَهُمْ Mutual consultation. Just because it's a very important thing, I will take a little bit of time to explain this to you. There's certain adab of Shura. 
another word for Arabic is called Mushawara. It's the Mushawara that you've made Mashfara in Urdu, Urduized Arabic. Mushawara became Mashfara. The Adab of that. Number one, every person who gives the Shura, gives their gives their counsel, offers their counsel in that mutual consultation. Their niyat, their number one condition is that person must have knowledge of deen. Because any worldly matter, you will be surprised how many worldly matters a person can gain insight to certain dimensions of those worldly matters if they have knowledge of Quran and Sunnah. Because Quran and Sunnah also means they have knowledge of the Sira, they have a knowledge of the decisions the Prophet made, they have a knowledge of the decisions the Khulafai Rashidun made, and many times you find yourself in analogous situations. So number one, eligibility to give the Shura is a deep knowledge of Deen. Second is a deep knowledge of whatever worldly affair it is that you're giving, right? So if you're going to give a shura in terms of economic policy, you have to know the discipline of economics. You also have to know the history of deen and what were the economic decisions made by the Prophet and the Khulafai Rashidun. What are certain principles of equity and justice outlined in Quran and Sunnah? You'd have to know that also. These are two things that you have to know. Third is the ikhlas of giving the shura your counsel is the person giving the counsel should make a dua that Allah Ta'ala if what I'm saying is best for the community whether that community is the family or that community is the village board or that community is the city or that community is the district or that community is the whole country if my counsel is what is best for that community in terms of their akhirah, deen and dunya then Allah Ta'ala put barakah in this counsel and open the hearts of people up to it and if it is not Allah Ta'ala make them averse to it. As opposed to what most people want is that Miri Baat Manija. That look, I should have my agenda, my party platform, I should find a way to get it across. The skillful diplomat and the skillful negotiator is the one who is able to make their agenda triumph. Why? Because it's theirs. Not because it's necessarily best. So again, third, it takes a lot of iman, taqwa and tawakkal to have that heart because it's only natural in politics and diplomacy and negotiating and you want you get personally attached to your position and then you advocate your position for no other reason than it's your own. So it's going to take a lot of taqwa to fulfill that third condition of shura. Right? Fourth, is that when the emir makes a decision, if he makes it according to your shura, your counsel, fabiha, and if he decides otherwise, for you to believe that Allah Ta'ala accepted your du'as, you can only do that when you're making du'a throughout this whole process, that Allah Ta'ala accepted your ilm, ikhlas, and du'a, and that indeed your counsel was not what was best for the community, and the emir's decision is what is best, and you don't then try to second-guess the emir, counter the emir, opposition to the emir, you fully then lend your weight and support behind the decision of the emir, as passionately and genuinely as you would have lent your weight and support if your position had been adopted. And then of course there's certain adab on the Amir side, and if you, were, if you were to couple that with this, then you have an Islamic governance model. But you, the Islamic governance model is designed for mu'mineen by mu'mineen to govern mu'mineen. <laughs> it's designed for mukhlisin and sadiqin, right? And you're, if you don't have the people who can play those governance roles, then you can't have the governance model. So people love to ask, why can't the ulama? Ulama have designed the model. Society hasn't produced the people who are like for that model. It's not that we haven't designed the model. We've designed the model. Society has not produced the people who are worthy to participate and fulfill the roles of that model. 
What can we do? Right? Okay. So this was something to do with Shura. Spend for more and provided them, that's clear. And they retaliate one impression. So this is also a sifat. What does that mean? That it means that you, but Dean does not say you should passively accept injustice and oppression. That no, you will respond. You will respond. Now, obviously, the retaliation will not transgress the bounds of justice. You cannot be unequitable. But yes, you can respond and repel any injustice that is done to one. Alright? Okay. So he's translated when they're subjected to aggression, they defend themselves. When they should be any type of zone, they defend themselves. So on verse 40, Allah Ta'ala makes it a bit clear, right, that that repelling has to be proportionate. That the way to repel and the retribution and response for evil is only, it is something in its like, it has to be done in proportion. Alright? So the requital or retribution for an evil is a like is to be done in a like manner. However, فَمَنْ أَفَى وَأَصْلَحَ فَأَجْرُهُ Allah. However, that person who forgives and the sulah, then their ajr is on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ Indeed, Allah ta'ala does not love the unjust. So what does it mean that if instead of responding to the injustice you can forgive, but the ishara here is that you can only do the af if it will lead to salah. You can't forgive a person and then become their victim again. This is not being let to try to lead a victim mentality or perpetual abuse. Af if it leads to salah. Salah means also a settlement that also eliminates the zulm, right? So the zulm has to be eradicated. Whether the zulm is eradicated by defending oneself in retribution against that aggression or through peaceful negotiation and settlement settlement, right, so waiving uh, one's rights and forgiving war crimes, if it leads to a settlement, it has to lead to a sulha it's not just forgiving just for the sake of that, right, and if that option is there, then if you can reach a settlement through peaceful means and afwa then that is preferred فَأَجْرُهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ that means that obviously the ajr about everything is going to be on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but it means that that person's reward special reward will be especially with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala either way Allah ta'ala does not love will never love yani detest the dhalimeen so either through repelling them or through peaceful negotiation settlement but zulm must be eradicated and therefore if you cannot do the afwa the afwa cannot lead to sulah and that person who um, there will be no dhulm, there will be no cause against that person who do defend after being uh, that there will be no blame on, on no, no blame against those who defend after being oppressed and wronged and sabil means this path means the way of Allah Ta'ala can take away against them. So the way will only be taken against Alladina Yadlimun and Nas on those who oppress people. Right? And this is also, if you want, those of you who study international relations, I mean in verse forty two, this is the Quranic basis for what we call ethical humanitarian intervention. Islam the Deen is this if there was a proper Islamic state with a proper Islamic army, they could intervene in any place in the world where Dhum is being done to Nas. So for example, let's say Rwanda and Burundi, these Hutus and Tutsis killed one another in the levels of millions. So if there was a neighboring African Islamic state, it would have been the Quranic Islamic duty of that state to intervene to prevent a humanitarian zulm from taking place. 
So those who oppress people and spread sedition on earth without any basis, without any just basis, Indeed, they will have a painful, excruciating punishment with Allah But that person who exercises patience and pardons, Indeed, that is amongst the most resolute of matters. That is the most uh, that is a determination that will it contains one of the most resolute matters or it's a determination that can resolve the affairs Okay. so what does this mean So this, it keeps going back and forth back and forth, I mean, Allah Ta'ala keeps showing that both options are there always showing that option 2 is better the khulas of option 2 is better settlement and eradication of injustice through afu and sula through forgiving and settling the Khulasa option 2 is always better. Second point, if option 2 cannot take place, feel free to do option 1. That's the Khulasa of all this passage. So keep going back and forth from 1 to 2, from 1 to 2, from 1 to 2. 2 is better, and if you can't do 2, you have to do 1. Alright? Okay. So this last part, again, it ends up on two words, patience and pardons, but again, that is if it leads to a sulha, then that is the best of affairs. And you will find this for example, so when Sayyidina Rasulullah's best example in Fatih Makkah, so what did he do? He had sabr all that time in Medina. He had sabr the Prophet went in all of that oppression, all of that persecution and then when he came back he forgave and his act of forgiveness led to a sulah itself. Right? Led to a sulah itself. And then whomsoever Allah Sponsor sends astray, there can be no protecting friend for them. Okay, this is, these next passages are fairly similar, so we're going to go a bit faster over here. Verses 44 onward. And whomsoever Allah SWT leaves astray, there can be no protector for them after that. And you will see uh, well, the wrongdoers and dhalimun, oppressors and sinners, they're saying when they see the punishment, when they witness and see and perceive the punishment that is going to befall them, what are they going to say? They will say, Hal ila maraddim min sabil. That is there any way to return? Is there any way to return? And then we'll have Wadarahum, Yurazuna, Aleha, Khashi'ina Minadulli. And then you will see them that they will be set against it, they will be presented to the fire of Jahannam, and their heads will be lowered in disgrace. Yandruna min Tarafi and then what will happen uh, that they were they will be presented to the fire of Jahannam and their heads will be lowered in grace and they'll be looking furtive glances at one another. They will be taking looking at it furtively. And then the believers will say, That indeed the true losers are those who have lost, lose their own selves and lose their families on this day of Qiyamah, day of judgment. And indeed now the unjust and the wrongdoers and the oppressors are going to be in a eternal punishment. Muqim at Punishment that is established and will be established for all of eternity. And they will have no uh, friends, no protectors to save them other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whomsoever Allah ta'ala leaves astray, that person will have no sabil. They will have no way, they will have no path, they will have no escape. Here, what does it mean that they lose their families? It doesn't mean necessarily that their families will go to Jahannam. It means actually that even their family will desert them on that day. 
They're, they will be at a loss. Their families will abandon them on that day. There will be nothing for these disbelievers and atheists on that day of judgment. That you should hearken and respond to the commands of Allah SWT and His commandments and injunctions before there comes upon you a day from which uh, a day from Allah SWT that cannot be avoided, cannot be averted. And on that day you will have no refuge or sanctuary on that day. And you'll have no nakir, you'll have no way to deny and protest against what happens to you on that day. And if they turn away, if they spurn you, Nabi Akrim Sallallahu they spurn your message and deen, then know that we have not sent you as a hafiz, we have not sent you as a guardian over them, but rather in Ali. In alayka illal balagh that your only obligation is to communicate and propagate the message and deliver the message to them. Indeed, then this is repeated from before. Allah says, indeed, whenever we let man taste some mercy from us, then he becomes joyful. He rejoices in it. But then, when adversity afflicts him because of what he himself has brought about, literally what his hands have earned, again, what he himself has brought about, yani through his actions, then what happens? For innal insanu kafur, then indeed, then man becomes ingrate. And you can even translate this together: innal insanu kafur, faithless ingrate. It's both meaning here, become a faithless ingrate. Lillahi mukusamawat wal ardu Allah subhanahu wa taala belongs the kingdom and dominion of the heavens and the earth. Allah has created whatsoever He wants and at will. And Allah bestows daughters on whomsoever He wills, and He bestows on sons upon whomsoever He wills. Oh, or Allah pairs them as male and female. He gives sons and daughters both. He, you can just say combined, literally pairs, but He combines sons and daughters for them both. And Aqima means that Allah will make sterile, barren. Sterile sterility would be used for a man and infertility would be the English word used for a woman. So Aqim is a word literally means barren in Arabic. It is covering both of them. Allah Ta'ala can make a man sterile or female infertile as he wills. Innuhu Alimun Qadir. Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all knowing and all powerful. Right? So this is just a facet that all of us can witness in this world, that some people have sons, some people have daughters, some people have both, and some people, Allah Ta'ala has made them incapable of having children, whether due to male sterility or female infertility. This is the command of Allah Subhanahu He is all-knowing, all-powerful. Maybe I just pause a little bit and comment on this, because for especially for women, but certainly for men also, uh, this is one of the most difficult tests for people, that they're not able to have children. And sometimes people, then their iman gets weakened. And sometimes they ask, that, why is Allah SWT doing this to me? And why am I not able to have children? Right? Now at a human level of emotion, all of us who have children and all of, anyone who doesn't have, even children like you, <laughs> can understand how big of a test this is from Allah SWT. But if you think about it, Allah subhanahu wa has done this with every single bounty and blessing on this world. There's some people who have brothers, some people have sisters, some people have neither. There's some people who have AC and have panka, and some have both, some have neither. There's some people who have UPS, some who have generators, some have both, some have neither. Right? So maybe in certain other areas of your life, Allah has made you a person who has both. 
you have ACN fan, you have UPSN generator, you have Chokidar and Khansama, you have so many things, so many things. You have domestic travel, you have international travel, you have money for your needs, you have money for leisure. You've been given so many, both, 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 boats. And yes, in one category you have nothing. And yes, you will find people in the world that in that category they happen to have both son and daughter, but in other categories they have one or none. They have no sea or no fan, they have no UPS, no generator, they have no fridge even. You're, you need to really travel. I need to make a special tour for you of this country, this class, right? I tried Lamzwala Niman today. Really, these kids should be taken. And well, it's nothing to do with any particular university, but all of you should really have been given a good solid 3 to 10 day rugra. And you should see how people live, right? Uh, I once went outside Mutta. I went to a place where there was no electricity whatsoever. Not because there was load shedding, there is no electricity there. And you should know how hot Multan, southern Punjab is even more. And I was there. Allah Akbar. And I was thinking that they have no fan, they have no cold water. Forget AC, Durki Bhatta. When you have no electricity whatsoever, means you have no fan, no cold water. Whatever you cook, you have to eat it that day. There's no question of putting it in the fridge for the next day. It's a level of precision, right? It's a very different type of living. Different type of living, right? And yes, physically they're much darker because of that. They have a darkness in their skin. Because it, on top of it, they have to work in the field. These are agriculture people. So it's not like you can sit in the shade all day, right? On top of all that, they're working in the blazing heat of the sun all day in the fields and all day herding and grazing their livestock. Allah Akbar. And we went there because there was a masjid being opened. So our ustaz was invited for that. So we went. And you should have seen the simplicity of that masjid also. Allah Akbar. <laughs> So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given everybody something. There's no one has been given nothing overall. Yes, there may be somebody who feels they've given nothing of children. There may be somebody who's given nothing of intelligence. There may be somebody who's been given nothing or near to nothing of wealth. Everybody's been given something. This is the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not just with children, with every single bounty and blessing. There's the whole range from none to all that people have in this world. Yes, still so emotionally that a woman and a father a uh, husband and a father and wife or whatever man and woman have to have sabr they have to have shukr and sabr this is the rule for every test shukr for all the other things Allah Ta'ala gave you and didn't test you with and sabr on this test right sabr on this test and so this is something Allah Ta'ala has decreed and this is what Allah Ta'ala is that said you know there will be some children who are believers in Jannah whose parents are disbelievers and therefore their parents will be separated from them and the parents who are believers will be assigned those children. So there's another adoption scheme. There's an adoption scheme in this world also which is another way for those who aren't able to have children but there's also going to be an adoption scheme. There's also marriage bureau in Jannah. Yes. <laughs> those believers who are male believers who are unmarried and female believers who are unmarried to enter Jannah they'll also be married by Allah Ta'ala to one another. Ajit. Allah Shukran, right? Allah is Allah. And Jannat is Jannat. Gosh, Banda could be Banda. Then the whole equation would be set. Hmm? Allah is Allah part, set. Jannah is Jannah part, set. Banda is Banda. Oh, a <laughs> lot of Gabber. A <laughs> lot of Gabber in that third missing piece of the equation. Alright. Here, verse number 50, another important eye of Quran. How much am I going to be able to do this with you? وَمَا كَانَ لِبَشْرِ أَنْ يُكَلِّمَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا وَحْيًا أَوْ مِنْ وَرَاءِ حِجَابٍ أَوْ يُرْسِلَ رَسُولًا فَيُوْحِيَ بِإِذْنِهِ مَا يَشَاءْ إِنَّهُ عَلِيٌّ حَقِيمٌ Here Allah is mentioning his... Okay, yeah. 
It is not for any human being. It is not for any human being that Allah Ta'ala should speak to them illa except except number one as a wahyan as a revel but well, Allah translates as inspiration because it's not just for Anbiya so we can translate in a lovely sense as about to shari but by an inspiration oh, or so number one is by inspiration number two min wara'i hijab literally means behind a veil or three, behind a veil means a screen, behind a screen or partition or veil. Number three, or that Allah Ta'ala will send to them an emissary from him who will then re- convey that revelation he with his permission. Ma yasha as pleases Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala and Hakim indeed Allah Subhanahu is exalted and is wise. Okay. So what does this mean? Well, one occasion of revelation is the first because the Jews asked the Prophet that why don't you talk to Allah subhanahu like Sayyidina Musa that he was Kalimullah. So here then Allah Ta'ala responded with this ayah that Allah Ta'ala has many different ways, right? Second thing to know, however, is that here the word is not Linabi, it's Libashar, which is why you really don't want to deny the Anbiya being Bashar, otherwise you can have a problem with this ayah, right? Because this is how Allah Ta'ala communicates with the humans. So this means that Allah Ta'ala can con- Communicate with a non-Nabi human. That's why we translate Wahi as inspiration. Inspiration can be ilqa into your kalam that Allah Ta'ala instills your heart, inspires your heart with something. It could also be in a dream. Sayyidina Rasulullah mentioned in the hadith that of all the 70 ways in which Allah Ta'ala communicated with the prophets, all of them he said will be lifted up when I leave this world except for dreams. So it doesn't mean you can become a Nabi, right? But it's a way of Allah's communication with people. So this inspiration can be through direct inspiring a person's heart or showing them something in a dream. What I hit uh, behind the hijab, this is like the way Allah Subhanahu spoke to Sayyidina Musa Islam, that he heard the voice but he couldn't see Allah Subhanahu anyway. That is less likely to happen, but maybe somebody says that they hear a voice in a dream and that voice is Allah subhanahu ta'ala, but obviously you will not be able to see Allah ta'ala, right? Uh, that would be behind a hijab. Third is that Allah ta'ala sends an emissary from himself, that's the ancient Jibreel al-Islam. That is going to be with the Anbiya. Allah ta'ala sends a messenger of his own, an emissary of his to them. So these are three methods, indeed Allah ta'ala is exalted. He is wise, he is exalted, it is up to him to choose how to communicate two human beings and he chooses to do so on the basis of his infinite wisdom. Alright? Slight difference in the inspiration between the Anbiya and humans. So this is no difference between Wahi and Ilham. Wahi is scriptural revelation and that is what we call Qati. That is absolutely certain truth and the Anbiya will always absolutely be able to correctly understand and interpret that truth. Whereas the ilham that comes on a non-Nabi human being, that is what we call zanni. That is not something of absolute certainty. That is as a certain probability of being correct. And second, uh, you may or may not be able to understand or interpret it correctly. And the overall rule is that whatever is zanni falls under the kati. So if you see a dream, that yeah, I saw a dream that I was the vice president of Citibank. It's not an inspiration to you. Right? Because being vice president of Citibank is haram because as an interest based organization. So what is what you understand through Zanni sources can never overrule what is known through Kati sources. Means that a person's ilham is tabe is subjugated and subject to the Quran, Sunnah and Sharia, the interpretation and meaning that they will take.
Okay, then this hijab, what is this hijab? So does it mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have... So this is a very detailed topic. Let me just tell you very simply. Allah ta'ala's tajalliyat and sifat and anwarat are his hijab. Doesn't mean there's any curtain between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and humanity. His nur, the luminosity and brilliance of the nur is the, what veils his zat from us. And this is why... Uh, you know, in more higher level theology, they speak about the parda of the sifat, the hijab of the veils of his sifat. So his sifat are his interrelations with humanity. The way he interrelates with us, and that is what we see, but behind his interrelation with us is his own self, right? So, for example, imagine if, well, put this way, Let's say you receive a uh, check of a million dollars a month from some benefactor, right? But you never see that benefactor. So the check is that hijab. It's the way they relate with you. So you see that, but clearly there is some check writer behind that check, right? So al-razaq is the sifat of Allah Ta'ala sending his risk upon us. And we see and experience and engage that sifat. But Allahu himself, that is behind so he is hidden behind his giving of risk, his sending of mercy, and also in another way that he is hidden behind his nur and tajalliyat. So the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his like for example, what I was saying in the incident of Sayyidina Musa Islam that we did, you know, maybe about a week or so ago, that was also behind the hijab, but the hijab there was the nur and tajalli of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's about all we can explain to you about this. Right? And... Last two ayahs of the surah, verse Amrina. Indeed, then Sayyidina is addressing the Sayyidina Rasulullah that just like that did we reveal. So here, ruh, ruh can mean either Quran al-Karim itself, or ruh can mean the nubuwa, the nubuwa itself. So thus did we send upon you, Prophet the Quran from our command, or did we bestow upon you nubuwa? Profited from our command, it either way the reason Ru is being mentioned because it's spiritual, right? The act of re- revealing Quran to the Prophet or best- conferring Nabuwa upon him is a spiritual matter. Uh, and what Allah is saying is that, O Prophet, you didn't even know. What kitab, what scripture was, you didn't know what iman was, but what did we do? We made it a nur. Nahdibihi man nasha. And we made it a nur, a light that we guide to whomsoever we will, min ibadana from our servants, means from our creatures, from the mortals. Wa innaka, and indeed you, Nabi Akrim, latahdi, you are surely and certainly you are guiding, ila siratim mustaqim, that you are showing the way and guiding to a straight path. Sirat Allah. Sirat al-Mustaqim is what? Sirat al-Lahil-Ladhi-Lahu-Ma-Fis-Samawati-Wa-Ma-Fil-Ard It is the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The path of that being to whom belongs everything that is in the heavens and the earth Allah ilallahi tasirul umur And indeed it is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone That all matters will return All affairs will end with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Every affair and matter will end up finally with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that ends surah number 42, now surah number 50, 40, uh, 50, uh, 43. Surah Zuhruf. Zuhruf can be translated as gold, as decoration, as adornment. 
uh, and um, there you will see in verse number 35 this name will come. Also from the seven Hawami. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajeem bismillahirrahmanirrahim bal kitab al mubeen inna ja'alnahu qur'anan arabiyan la'allakum ta'kidun wa innahu fi ummil kitab alladayna la'aliyun hakeem alright hamim explained before huruf al-muqatta'at wal kitab al-mubeen here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the wow is qasamiyya Allah ta'ala is taking an oath by that kitab al-mubeen by that book which is mubeen mubeen means both clear and clarifying with absolute clarity and providing absolute clarity. With the all clear and all clarifying book. What is it, Allah Ta'ala? We have made this Quran, an Arabic Quran, so that you may understand it, so it may be able to enter your aql. Means that the language can enter into your aql. The ma'ani and ma'arif, that's a separate thing altogether, right? But the language of it will be able to understand your aql means it's a fathomable book, it's an intelligible book. That would be a better way to put it in English, right? So that it may be intelligible to you, so that you may be able to be intelligible regarding to it. And in this Quran, uh, in this, in this, in this, is the mother of the book, Umm al-Kitab. The mother book, Ladaina, is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, La Aliyun Hakim, who is exalted and full of wisdom. So there's a notion here of uh, a mother book, which is the Lohul Mahfuz, and that is the eternal tablet, which is preserved with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and that is the first place where Allah ta'ala inscribed his kalam, and that was done all at once. And then from that eternal tablet, it was revealed piecemeal to Sayyidina Rasulullah over 22, 23 years. That should we take this dhikr away from you, but you, it ankum is you as plural, not you the Prophet, but you the community to whom it is addressed. Safan ankuntum qawmam musrifin. Why? Because you have become a completely transgressing community and completely transgressing nation. Means Allah Ta'ala is addressing the people of Makkah Mukarram Mamashrikan, and we can take this book back. We could, should we take it back from you? And then Allah says, وَكَمْ أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ نَبِيِّمْ فِي الْأَوَّلِينَ And how many, how many and many numerous indeed were the prophets that we have sent before to awwaleen, to the earliest of nations, to the foremost of nations, earliest of nations. وَمَا يَاتِيهِمْ مِنْ نَبِيٍ إِلَّا كَانُوا بِهِ يَسْتَعْزِئُونَ But no Nabi, no prophet came to them except that they would mock and ridicule everyone. فَأَهْلَكْنَا أَشَنْدَ مِنْهُمْ بَتْشَوْبُ Indeed, we destroyed the most powerful and ruthless of them, of those people. And, uh, and so, Allah Ta'ala, and thus has passed the example of these earlier communities. Right? Similar to what Allah Ta'ala is saying, that the Mushrikin should reflect that all those who rejected the Anbiya in the past were destroyed. Differences that they were destroyed on this earth as well as facing destruction in the Akhirah and special blessing of the Prophet is that they won't be destroyed as a civilization on earth but they will be destroyed in the Akhirah but they will be defeated in terms of Badr, Uhud and Fateh Makkah Indeed if you were to ask them this is similar passages from before were you to ask them who created the heavens and the earth they will certainly say <coughs> the Almighty and the All-Knowing 
So they will acknowledge it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created. What does that mean? So this is, here we've done this before, that the kuffar will acknowledge that the world is created. In that sense, right, put it this way, the mushrikeen didn't have pure atheism as you would see it today. The mushrikeen believed that the world was created as opposed to being uncreated or as opposed to being evolved, right? So they had that belief. That's what you can understand from this. And Allah subhanahu is the one who has made the arsh, ard is the one who has made the ard, who has made the earth into a bedding uh, and a bedding or a spread for you has smoothed out, smoothed out the earth as a bedding and a spread for you, who then made paths and roads upon it so that you may find direction, so that you may be guided. And Al-Spantel sent down rain from the sky, water and rain down from the sky in due proportion, through which Allah Ta'ala then revised and resurrects ground that was dead and barren. And in this manner, Allah Ta'ala says that you will also, Dukhrujun, you will also all be brought forth. And as Allah Spantel has created all pairs of species, and all spe- peers and species and Allah has made ships and animals which you ride, ships and livestock for you which you ride, so that you may be seated on their backs and then you may remember the bounty of your rub, so sit firmly on them and what should you say? So this is that famous dua that if nothing else you hear it when you fly in PAA but you're supposed to use it every time you drive and everywhere you go, right? Glory be to Allah subhanahu Pure is that one, yani Allah, who subjugated and subordinated this to us. Whereas we would never have been able to submit it to us. So He is the one who made steel soft for us. He is the one who made the animal submissive to us when we would never have had our innate ability to do so on our own. And indeed, surely it is to our Rabb that we will be returned. Alright, so this is the du'a of traveling. All of you would know that. Um, there are a few other du'as for, for riding different type of mounts. Uh, but here, this is something you can use. I knew someone who used to recite this du'a every time they took the elevator. Yes. And they have, yet they concede to some of Allah Ta'ala's ibad, some of Allah Ta'ala's ibad, they have given them juz'an, means they have given them a share with Allah Ta'ala, partnership with Allah Ta'ala. Innal insana la kufurum mubeen. And this is, and indeed, such a human being is kufurum mubeen, is an open open, faithless, ingrate. It's clearly an open, faithless, ingrate. So this is referring to the aspect of shirk, that they have granted some insan, and Allah saying they're from his ibad. So some of Allah's creatures and mortals have ascribed and apportioned a share for humanity with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what, so amitakhada mimma yakhmukum banat, has Allah ta'ala chosen daughters from his creation, or has and Allah ta'ala selected you to have sons, when any one of them is given the tidings of that which they ascribe to Rahman, then what happens? Dhalla wajhuhu musawwadam wahuwa kadeem, what does it mean? That their face darkens, right? Their face will darken, and they became filled with anger. Right? Huwakadim means they become filled with anger. Now what is this, right? This is when they are told that Allah, what you are ascribing to Allah Rahman does not exist in any way. That there is no son, there is no daughter, right? So 
then this person's face darkens up, they get angry about that. And verse 19, Awaman, okay, and have, do they ascribe to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one who has come in jewelry and finery and who cannot make herself and who can clarify nothing herself? Yet they consider the angels, that make those angels who are actually the ibad of ar-Rahman, they've made them inatha, they've made them into females, because this was the concept, right? That the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has daughters, and those daughters are the angels. So then Allah ta'ala asks, Ahshahidu khalqahum, that did they witness the creation of the angels, that they can say that the angels are female and the daughters of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then it says, Indeed, their testimony will certainly be recorded, means they're saying that the angels are Allah's daughters will be recorded. And they will be interrogated and questioned about each and every single thing that they said. So, this passage is basically just refuting the Mushrikeen, those who believe that Sayyidina Isa Islam is the son of Allah, the Christians, the Jews who believe that Sayyidina Islam and Nabi, he was also the son of Allah, the Mushrikeen who believe the angels were the daughters of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of these same themes have gone before, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is refuting all of these things. Very important ayah for in terms of contemporary fitness. They say, what do they say? That we would not have worshipped them, we wouldn't have worshipped all these idols unless, unless it had it not had that been the will of Ar-Rahman. Means if Allah had willed us not to, we would not have worshipped them. So this is the classic argument that a person tries to negate their free will. It says, look, I'm only this way because Allah Ta'ala made me this way. Right? That's how they will say it in Urdu. Right? <laughs> so that's what they're saying here. That if Allah Ta'ala had willed, we wouldn't have worshipped them. Meaning that because Allah Ta'ala didn't will us not to worship them, therefore we're fine to worship them. Means what they're trying to say is we're off the hook. We're not liable for this. We're not responsible for this. Therefore we should not be held accountable for this. So what does Allah Ta'ala's answer to them... They have no knowledge that warrants this in any way. In whom And indeed, uh, they are nothing other than simply lying or speculating. It's just mere conjecture and lies that they are fabricating about their deen or about the outcome and to what extent they will be punished. So this is very important that it's not because we are not impious because if Allah Ta'ala wanted us to be pious we would be. It's our own choice. Then verse 21 says, have we given them a scripture before unto which they are holding fast? Means there's some other kitab they have that says this, that they're following it. So no, what is it they say? That we found our forefathers uh, and they're basically following a certain way and we choose we choose to be followed in their footsteps and in their paths. So again, the Quran mentions in different places following misguided forefathers is misguidance but following rightly guided forefathers is guidance. And one should never confuse the two and use one eye to suggest that either of these things are absolutes. So verse 23, And thus in a like manner, whenever we sent a nadir to any kari, whenever we sent a warner to any community, 
before you, what happened? Illa kala mutrafuha. And what happened? The affluent people of that community means the wealthy of that community. They said exactly this, that we found our forefathers following a certain way of life and we will follow in their traditions and footsteps. And some of the people will say that, right? They will say to a, they will say to a son, Right? So what are they saying? They're saying this. It's the same sentence. You sentence member as mu'minin. We never want to say sentences that resemble the sentences that the kuffar say. Right? So what one's elders did is in of itself not a hujjah. If the elders were on hidayah, we will follow those elders. But because of the hidayah they were on, the hidayah is the hujjah. And if the elders were wrong and astray, we cannot follow those elders, not because we don't view them as elders, but because they were wrong, right? So that's an irrelevant thing. So Sayyidina Rasul Qala, Sayyidina Rasul responded to them, Actually, I have come to you bringing you something that is even more better guidance than that which you find your forefathers upon. Alayhi abakum, that which you found your forefathers upon, kalu inna bima ursiltum bihi kafirun. But, <coughs> how did they respond? Kalu, they said that no, we certainly disbelieve that which with it you, which you bring to us, or that which, which you have been sent with. So Allah tells us, fantakam na minhum. And Allah says that we wrought vengeance upon them. And then observe how those who repudiate truth, what is their plight, how do they finally end up. Right? Then Allah Ta'ala is mentioning Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, verse 26 onwards. Again, similar passages have gone before and there's going to be a story of Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam, coming as well and story of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. So unless there's something new that hasn't come before, we will not comment on it. So when Sayyidina, remember when Sayyidina Ibrahim alayhi salam, said to his father and his people that I declare myself innocent, I exonerate myself from what all of you worship except for the one who created me. Undoubtedly, Allah Ta'ala is the one who will actually guide me. So then Ibrahim alayhi salam, he made this statement. He left this as a lasting word and statement amongst his progeny and descendants so that they may abstain yarja'un, allahum yarja'un, so that they may abstain or so that they may abstain from the worship of their forefathers. I have given enjoyment, Allah Ta'ala says, بَلْ مَتَعْتُ هَأُولَاءِ Allah Ta'ala says, I have given provision to these people and their forefathers, their answers, until truth came to them and a clarifying messenger. But when the truth came to them, when the truth came to them, what did they say? They said, هَذَا They said, this is just magic, and indeed we certainly choose to reject it. So here Allah Subhanahu mentions that he let these people, he continued giving them risk until the, a prophet came to them. Right? He sustained that community until a prophet and a book was sent to them. They say that why is this Quran not revealed to a prominent person from amongst one of the two cities the two cities was Makkah and Taif. These Taif, these are the two major cities. So what again they wanted was that obviously Nabiya Kim Sum is from Makkah Makarma. What they meant was it should have been 
the Quran should have been sent down to a man of importance, a man of prominence, a wealthy or affluent person from one of those two cities, as opposed to Sayyidina Sussam, who was a person of humble means and who was an orphan. So again, this is the again we don't want as believers to resemble the same outlook as disbelievers. What does it mean that disbelievers felt that a person who has wealth, they're important? Importance is based on wealth, power, position, prestige. And the Quran is negating that. And our deen is negating that. So we never want to think in that way again. Right? And this is the mentality of people today also. That whenever they want to marry someone or marry their daughter off or choose someone or appoint someone, they won't look at the sifat of deen. They won't look at the virtue, adab, akhlaq, taqwa, hayab, that person. Instead they will look at the money, power, wealth, position of that person. Right? So this is the same, this is the fundamental mistake Mushrikeen did when it came to recognizing or failing to recognize Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. So Allah Ta'ala then asked them in Quran, Are they the ones who are going to distribute and allot the mercy of your Rabb? نَحْنُ كَسَمْنَا بَيْنَهُمْ مَعِيشَتُهُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا We, yani Allah Ta'ala saying by Himself, that we are the ones who have distributed their livelihood amongst them in the life of this world. وَرَفَعْنَا بَعْضَهُمْ فَوْقَ بَعْضِ And we are the ones who have elevated some over others. Darajat in ranks means materialistically. Right? Why? Such that لِيَتَّ Not why, but such that لِيَتَّخَدَ بَعْضَهُمْ بَعْضًا سُخْرِيَّةِ So that some can... Literally means that some can employ others as workers, some can benefit from others by employing, some can be employers, some can be employees. And the mercy of your Rabb is far better than all of what they can ever amass. Alright. That if it were not for that, humanity would become a single community. That we would have made for all of those who disbelieve in Ar-Rahman, what we would have given them. That we would have given them homes, the roofs of which were made of silver. And then we would have given them ma'arij, which you can say is ascending uh, staircases, ascending stairs for them to climb. And then we would have given them doors, which is also silver, doors of silver for the houses. And then we would have given them couches, again of silver, upon which they could recline. And wa and we would have made it either, some translated as gold, some can translate it mutlak as some type of uh, adornment or decoration, or, or, ornate gold, maybe that's a good way to capture both senses, or ornate gold. And you, instead of silver, we could have made all of that, the roofs and the doors and the ascending stairs and etc., the couches, we could have made all of that from ornate gold. وَإِن كُلُّ ذَلِكَ لَمَّا مَتَاءُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا But all of that would be merely the stuff of the life of this world. وَالْآخِرَةُ إِنْدَ رَبِّكَ لِلْمُتَّكِينَ However, the Akhirah, that in the Rabbika with your Rabb, that is for the people of Taqwa. Lam is for Taqsis, here is Khas, لِلْمُتَّكِينَ That will especially be for the people of Taqwa, of Righteousness. Right. So here then Allah Ta'ala coined this metaphor uh, and what is that? Uh, that Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala mm, the people's nature attracts them to material wealth. 
right? And if that was what they were attracted to, uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he, he could have granted uh, all the wealth and made them such that they were silver, everything was made of silver, or everything was made of ornate gold. And this is in contrast to Hadith and Sahih Muslim that say that Muslim's concept of the dunya was that the dunya is a carcass. Once the Prophet was with some Sahaba and they passed by a dead animal, and then the Prophet asked, Would any of you pay? pay this dead, decomposing, decaying carcass of an animal? Would you even pay a dirham for it? And the Sahaba said, that, no, not, we wouldn't forget dirham. The Sahaba said, we wouldn't even take it for free. We wouldn't even take it for free. And Sayyidina Rasulullah said, by Allah, and he swore by Allah, Allah Ta'ala views the whole world like you view this dead carcass. It has no value whatsoever for Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. Contrast to the kuffar, who in, in this ayah, the example and metaphor is being given, that they're so attracted to the material worlds, right? That if it was for them, what, what their dream would be would not be akhirah. For them, they want their house in this world to have silver on it and to have ornate gold on it. Now again, this is not a prohibition in Quran. For It's not an outright prohibition necessarily for all types of ornamentation. But certainly you can feel here a tenor, right? A tone from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that wasteful ornamentation, wasteful jewelry, wasteful gold is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is, is going, Allah ta'ala views as something that's going to involve a person too much in this world and keep them away from the akhirah. This next ayah was what I had mentioned to you yesterday was coming. وَمَنْ يَعْشُوا أَنْ ذِكْرِ الرَّحْمَانِ That whosoever turns away from the dhikr of Rahman, number one, it can mean literally from the remembrance of the All-Merciful One. Dhikr can also mean Qur'an. I've told you dhikr can mean salah, from the worship of Rahman. So what does Allah Ta'ala say in Qur'an? نُقَيِّدْ لَهُ شَيْطَانًا Allah Ta'ala says that we will appoint a shaitan for them. Yes, it's in Qur'an. Whoever turns away from the dhikr, whether that dhikr means dhikr, that dhikr means Qur'an, that dhikr means salah, it means all of the three, right? And by Qur'an, it doesn't just mean salah, it means living a life according to the Qur'an. Allah Ta'ala is saying, Quran, that we will appoint a shaitan for that person. And that shaitan will be kareen, will be there stuck like glue on companion. You know, like I love you, I'm stuck on you. So that's green, that Allah Ta'ala will make that shaitan stuck with that person. Will stick him as a companion to them. Allah Akbar, right? So why would we want to stay away from dhikr of Rahman, salah of Rahman, the Quran of Rahman? There will be a shaitan who will be made a kareen for us. I say, what will that shaitan do? Right? This shaitan that is attached to the person, right? Now, uh, this is not the iblis, right? This is not the iblis. This is a shaitan from the shayateen. This is one of the minions of shaitan, one of the assistants of shaitan, right? But interestingly, another hadith, Sayyidina Rasulullah in Sahih Muslim, he said that every one of you has a companion from amongst the jinns, uh, from amongst the angels, and from amongst the shayateen. So, uh, the shaitan referred to this in this verse is not the shaitan that is referred to in this hadith. But this way, everybody has their own nafs. Number one. Number two, everybody has a shaitan. Number three, everybody has an angel. 
Yet after having those three, the people who stay away from the dhikr of Rahman, that Allah Ta'ala will appoint yet another shaitan for them. Appoint yet another shaitan for them. Alright. And what is the notion of the people? So verse 37, then they block them from the path, they forbid people from unsabil, from the path that leads to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all the time they think that they are rightly guided. This is a very important verse. This is the trick of shaitan. That once a person knows they're on batil, and they stop people from following haq. Here is being said that they think that they are rightly guided. Not even haq muqtadun, which means hidayah, which has a religious connotation. They think that I am on the right hidayah and then I will block people from the path. These are such people who have a shaitan appointed from them. So this is actually, what does it mean? This is the trick. This is the particular trick that this shaitan is going to do. Make the person think that they are rightly guided and then make the person block others from the real sabil, from the real path. And that's how you will find that sometimes there are some people. So who is it who turned away from Dhikr Rahman? So that you will find even certain people calling to their particular movements and ideas of Islam. They're not people of the Dhikr. They're not people of abundant Salah. Right? And so what happens is that Allah Ta'ala points a shaitan to them and they think that they're rightly guided. And then what they do is they stop you and me from the Sabil. They try to stop us from the real path that leads to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. How long will this happen? Hatta ida ja'ana until such a time, until when that time happens, when they will uh, come to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So, what will happen? That person will say, but they say to their devil, "Kala." Kala means that person will say to their devil, to that shaitan that was attached to them, "Ya leita baini wa bainaka bo'dal mushrikaini." If only that there could have been a distance. Between me and you, they will tell their companion on the day of judgment. Oh, you know, you're, you're kareen and this, you were kareen. But I wish you had been bayid. That's what's going on. That if only there had been a difference, a distance between us as far as mashriqayni. Which literally means the ends of the earth. It's literally two easts. But it means the two ends of the earth. It's an expression in Arabic. Fabi'sul kareen. Indeed, you are the wretched and the worst of companions. Why? And you are, uh, it will not benefit you at all on that day. And what will happen that you will all share. Because you did zulm, you were oppressive, you were wrongdoers, you will share in the punishment. So this means that the person and that shaitan, who is their companion on earth, they will both go into the punishment. Then um, it's referring to the spiritual death that takes place. Verse 4 is referring to the spiritual death that takes place in this world. Can you cause the deaf to hear or can you guide the blind or those that, those that are evident error? If we were to take you away, if we were to take you away, we were to take you back, then what would happen? That indeed we would certainly still exact retribution from them we would take our vengeance upon them or otherwise we will show you what we have promised them for we have power over them we have Allah has all power over them so 
Therefore, you should remain steadfast. You should remain extremely steadfast on that which has been revealed unto you. Indeed, you are definitely on the straight path. Indeed, this is a dhikr. This Quran is a reminder for you and for your qawm. And soon they will be questioned. So here, this is qawm. Here referred to the addressees of the Prophet Sallam, the Mashrikeen of Makkah Makarama. And then you should ask of our messengers whom we sent before you that that have we made any deities or gods other than Al-Rahman, the all-merciful one, to be worshipped. So the answer is obviously no, that no other Nabi had ever called to any worship other than Allah rahman so this is not addressed to the Prophet Sallallahu it's being addressed to the Jews and Christians that you should ask your prophets, not literally because the prophets aren't with them, but look into the teachings and the scriptures that your, the prophets that you believe in left behind and look therein and see that were you invited to anything other than this Tawheed that the Prophet Sallallahu is inviting you towards. Then verses 46 again, Al-Spantel mentions the story of Sayyidina Musa Islam and Fir'aun. Salaam says, verse 46, Then indeed we sent Musa Islam with their signs to Fir'aun and his ministers. Sayyidina Musa Islam told them that I am a messenger of Rabbil Alameen, of the Lord of the Universes. But when he came to them, and when he brought, and he came and brought to them our signs, then they laughed at him mockingly. Every single sign we showed them was greater than the previous one. But then we took them to task, we afflicted our punishment on them, so that they might repent. And then what did they say? They said, O conjurer, this is how they addressed it. It says, O magician, call upon your rub, call upon your rub for us according to the covenant that he has made with you. And then, and then, and then, and then we will be rightly guided. So Allah says, when we remove the punishment from them, then they broke their oath. Fir'aun called his, then Fir'aun called his people and said, O my people, does not the kingdom or land of Egypt belong to me with all of the rivers flowing underneath it? Do you not see? Am I not better than, and he used this word uh, for Sayyidina Musa Islam, Am ana khairum min hadalladi huwa maheen. So he used this word for Sayyidina Musa Islam, Nazabala maheen. It says again, you know, don't worry, not maheen, 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 which is, you can say, ignoble one. Maybe we can try that. And this contemptible. It's like you said that, am I not better than this ignoble, contemptible fellow who wants to be your prophet? That's not how Fir'aun talked. And then Sayyidina, uh, second thing he said to him that he can barely, Yubin means from Bayan, he can barely articulate. Who can barely articulate or express himself. Alright? Lala ulkiya alayhi. That why are not bangles of gold thrown to him? Uh, why are not bangles of gold thrown to him? Or why do angels not appear? Why is he not accompanied by successive professions of, processions of angels? So this is a conversation that Pharaoh had with his people in which he mocks in the Muslim Islam and he tried to convince them, to his people, that he is still their Lord by invoking his government, by invoking his governance over them and by invoking the lack of apparent wealth and riches which is the theme again of the surah bangles of gold and then also said that why didn't a masses of angels come as apparent if indeed he is a prophet so what is the way Allah Ta'ala describes this 
فَاسْتَخَفَّقَوْمَهُ means that Fir'aun made fools out of his people. That's literally what it means. And فَأَطَاؤُهُ Why? Because then, then they followed him, they obeyed him, they obeyed him, and they listened to him, right? إِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا قَوْمًا فَاسِقِينَ And indeed they were a sinful nation. فَلَمَّا آسَفُونَا And when they infuriated us, when they infuriated us, or you can say when they aggrieved Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah ta'ala says that we took our retribution and vengeance on them, and we drowned each and every one of them all. And thus did we make them a precedent and an example for generations to come. Verses 57 onward is the story of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. وَلَمَّا ذُرِبَ ابْنُ مَرْيَمَ مَثَلًا And when the example of Ibn Maryam, meaning the son of Maryam, and Sayyidina is drawn to them, when it's mentioned to them, إِذَا قَوْمَكَمْ مِنْهُ يُسِدُّونَ Then what happens is that the people who, the, the people oppose and they rebel. And what do they say? وَقَالُوا آلِهَتُنَا خَيْرًا آلِهَتُنَا خَيْرٌ أَمْ هُوَا Is our, our gods better or is he better? I mean, this is their rejection of Sayyidina Isa Islam. So this is referring of the Mushrikeen of Makkah's prior rejection to Christianity and also their continual rejection to the Qur'an's message that Sayyidina Isa Islam was the miraculous son of Maryam Radha and a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they <coughs> Laka illa jadala, and they only say this to you jadal in terms to be argumentative. Balahum kaumun khasimun, indeed they are contentious people, people who are prone to argument and disputation. In huwa, indeed he, yani Sayyidina Isa Islam, illa abdun, was none other than a servant and slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the difference between Isa Islam and their idols, that their idols are gods, where Sayyidina Isa is abd, is a slave of Allah subhanahu an amna alayhi, that we sent our special blessing upon him, وَجَعَلْنَاهُ مَثَلًا لِبَنِي Israel, and we made an example of him, made him an example for the Bani Israel, وَلَوْ نَشَاءُ and if we wished, لَجَعَلْنَا مِنْكُمْ مَلَائِكَةً فِي الْأَرْضِ we could certainly have created and made angels from amongst you, يَخْلُفُونَ to act as deputies on earth, but وَإِنَّهُ لَعِلْمٌ لِسَاءَةِ but indeed Sayyidina Isa Islam will be a sign Lissa'a for the end of time, he will be a sign of Qiyamah. That I'll explain in a moment. So you should not have any doubt about him whatsoever. Or you could not have any doubt about it, about the sa'a, about the hour, the end of time, whatsoever. What to be And tell them to be that you should follow me, means they should follow. This is the straight path. And never let shaitan divert you and stop you. For he is a clear and open enemy to you. When Islam came with clear signs, and said that I have come to you with hikmah, with wisdom. And to make clear to you and to clarify you some of those matters about which you differ. فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ So have taqwa fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَأَتِيُونِ And you should obey me. إِنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ رَبِّي Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is my Rabb وَرَبُّكُمْ and your Rabb فَعْبُدُوهُ You should worship him and him alone. هَذَا سَعَطُ مُسْتَقِيمُ This is the straight path. فَاخْتَلَفَ الْأَحْزَابُ مِنْ بَيْنِهِمْ And but then a vast number of part the factions in the Bani Israel or sorry the factions in the uh, Sayyidina Isa Islam's community is addressing the factions amongst them. They disagreed with one another. 
And woe to a person, a person should be warned about those who do zulm, who are wrongdoers and oppressed, of what they should be warned of the punishment on that painful day. Hal illa Are they waiting for anything other than the end of time? That yes, it should come upon them suddenly. Without them even being aware of it whatsoever. Without them noticing it or realizing it in any way. Alright. This passage is about Sayyidina Isa and Allah subhanahu through Quran al-Karim responding to some of the objections that the people had. One thing Allah subhanahu had said in responding to the angels was verse 60 that if we will we could create angels amongst you on earth. Okay, we could create angels who are your khulafa, who would succeed you on earth. Here, uh, according to some commentators, it first means literally that Allah Ta'ala could have put angels on earth and then they would have lived and died like ordinary human beings. He could have made angels mortal. He could have bestowed mortality and life on earth with the angels. Second, it means that Allah Ta'ala would have just given up on on any crea- such creation and instead Allah Ta'ala would have made the earth like the Samawat and like the celestial realm he would have populated the earth with angels it means only virtue and nur would take place on earth earth would become like a place of the angelic realm Allah Subhanahu could have done that alright here that Sayyidina Isa Alayhi will be a sign of Qiyamah what does that mean right so this is clear right and there are some people who you know all of Ahl Sunnah will Jama'ah has historically and contemporarily always been of the opinion that Sayyidina Isa will return near the end of time. Javed Ghamdi denies this and says that no, Isa was killed on the cross and he will never return. So here, in addition to the many, many hadith that are mentioned on this topic, such that they reach what is called hadith sciences, Tawatir, their Mutawatir. There's such a large number of hadith transmitted from such a large number of sahaba that to deny them is an impossibility. That that's the hadith about what we call the Nuzuli Masih or Nuzuli Isa, the return of Sayyidina Isa Islam. Here, if nothing else, right, because you know it's difficult because especially with Ghamdi Sahib, he doesn't really accept hadith properly. But here in Quran, in Quran Rakim, Allah Ta'ala is mentioning Sayyidina Isa Islam as a sign. Uh, let me just repeat this for you so you're clear about it that's verse number 61 that he is that Sayyidina Isa will be a sign of the day of the end of time right and he is a sign of the end of time because as our Nabi Akrim told us and as was the Aqidah of every single Sahaba without exception that Sayyidina Isa is going to return at the end of time and he will be one of the signs then that the end of time has come that's a very long story right uh, that we will have to do another time but uh, that this is what is meant okay
Okay, then this factioning amongst the Christians, this is the, amongst the, this verse 65 that the factions differed amongst themselves. So this can be number one that the factions of Jews differed amongst themselves as to whether to believe in Sayyidina Isla Islam or not. Or second, it is referring to even the believers of Sayyidina Isla Islam, they split up into many factions. And principally, the factions in terms of theology is that some Christian communities believe that Isla Islam was divinity incarnate. Others believed he was the son of the divine. And there are some who, for example, Unitarians today, don't ascribe any divinity to Sayyidina Isa at all. The Unitarian means they don't believe in the Trinity. And anybody who studies the history of Christianity will see a large uh, theological discussion and debate on the concept of Trinity. And one of the most contested things within Christian theology is their different understandings of different denominations. That's the word they would use perfection uh, on the concept of Trinity and on the sacredness or the holiness of the Christ. Well, that's how they refer to Sayyidina Isa salam. Then when Allah Ta'ala, last thing that we did with verse 66, Allah is waiting for the end of time, lest it come on them suddenly. So verse 67, what does Allah Ta'ala mention about that day? Al-Akhillahu, this is a also, it says a plural of Khalil, right? Uh, this is the Jama Mukassar, some files, those of you who are studying this. Al-Akhillau, Adribau, Akhillau. These are the friends, deep friends, intimate companion friends. Yawma'idhin ba'dhum liba'dhin adu. They will be enemies towards one another. Illa al-Muttaqeen, except for the people of Taqwa. So this ayah makes it very clear that what friendship will be of any avail to us on that day of judgment, the friendship on the basis of taqwa and the friendship of muttaqeen. First thing here, it makes clear that friends will be enemies to one another on that day. People who we held to be our deep, intimate friends and the suggestion is that due to our friendship with them, we took their advice thinking that they were our sincere well-wishers and we took our understanding of deen from them because they were our friend. Instead of taking our understanding of deen from muttaqeen, then these so-called friends, khalil, is a very strong word. Remember Allah Ta'ala calls Sayyidina Ibrahim Alayhi khalilullah. Khalil means deeply intimate friends, deeply intimate best friends will be enemies to one another on the Day of Judgment. Right? So, illal muttaqeen means number one, except for those who befriended the muttaqeen. And it also suggests that the muttaqeen won't be enemies, that means they will be our friends on the Day of Judgment, which is an ishara that the, some of the muttaqeen may also have haqqi shifa'a or the right of intercession on that day. Okay? Alright. Ya ibadi, la khawfun alaykum al wala antum tahzunun. Then Allah Ta'ala said that, oh my worshipful servants and slaves, there will be no fear on you on this day, and nor shall you grieve in any way. Who are these people? Now Allah tells basically, who are these ibad? Unless a person think it was just the mortals or the creatures. No, they are number one. Alladina amanu bi ayatina. Those who believe in the verses of our revelation and signs. Number two, wakanu muslimin, and they were ever submissive. The kanu again comes forever. Istimlad muslimin. They always submitted to those verses. So I mean, this is another important thing in verse sixteen. It's not just enough to have iman in Quran. We have to submit to Qur'an. It's not just enough to believe in Qur'an. A person has to do the flame to Qur'an. So they believed in Qur'an and they submitted themselves entirely throughout to Qur'an. 
that you should enter your you enter go and you enter Jannah and your spouses enter Jannah in a uh, in a state of Hera, in a state of jubilation, in a state of wonder, in a state of joy. So here again we have this notion that who you marry is important because people of Iman will be able to go into Jannah and if the husband has a higher level the wife will get an upgrade. And if the wife has a higher level, the husband will get an upgrade. Hmm. Right? So, this concept of azwaj. So, one should then marry on the basis of taqwa, because only the muttaqeen are going to be your friends. Most important thing is to marry the person who has the most taqwa. And if you find out that the person doesn't have the most taqwa, and you can get out before the marriage has taken place, then better to get out. Better to get out, no matter what social pressure, social peer pressure you may face, if you discover before that marriage takes place that you were misled or you were mistaken about the other party and the other party is not the person who was the most taqwa that you could have, better that you withdraw from such a marriage. Withdraw before such a marriage takes place. Right? يُطَافُ عَلَيْهِمْ بِسِحَافٍ مِنْ ذَهَبٍ And what was going to happen now to these people of Jannah? Now here Allah is going to mention several of the verses 71 onwards, several of the blessings and bounties that Allah subhanahu will bestow upon the people of Jannah, that dishes and goblets of gold will be passed around to them. Right? Dishes, bowls, goblets, cups of gold will be passed around to them. Containing whatever their souls desire, it is not just about the dish, but Jannat itself, containing whatever their souls desire, whatever their eyes find pleasing, and you shall abide therein forever, وَأَنْتُمْ fiha خَالِدُونَ And you will live therein together. وَتِلْكُ الْجَنَّةُ الَّتِي For this indeed is that Jannah which you, of which you will be made the heirs, which you will be made to inherit بِمَا كُنْتُمْ تَعْمَلُونَ Because of the good deeds that you used to do لَكُمْ فِيهَا فَاكِتُمْ كَثِيرَةٌ مِّنْهَا تَعْقُلُونَ And they will have an abundance of fruit to eat. There is much fruit therein for you to eat of. So this is the description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment for the people of Taqwa, the people who have friendships of Taqwa, the people of Jannah. Verse 74 onward is the other side of the story. That indeed the criminals and the wrongdoers and the sinners, they will be forever residing in a punishment of Jahannam. And it will never be lessened in ease for them. And in it home fiha mublisun. Mublisun can mean several things, but it really means that they will lose all hope. And they will despair therein forever. So it's an ishara of a spiritual and emotional torment of being in Jahannam. And Allah makes it clear, وَمَا ذَلَمْنَاهُمْ Allah says, we're not oppressing them in any way. Never did we oppress them. Putting them in Jahannam for eternity is not a zulm on them. وَلَكِنْ كَانُوا هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ هُمُ الظَّالِمِينَ But rather it was they themselves who were oppressors, who were unjust, who were wrongdoers. And then Allah Ta'ala will mention what, how will they call? So what will they say? Wanadu ya Maliku, and they will call out that O oh Malik, which means the master of Jahannam. They were going to call the Malik of Jahannam here, O oh master of hell. Leyakdi alayna Rabbuka, that your Rub should settle the matter with us. It can mean settle the matter. This means your Rub should just put an end to us. Tell him to just put it, and they will tell the master of hell. 
the angel who is the keeper and master of hell. They just tell your Rabb to just finish us off. Call, and what will be said to him? Innakum makithun. Allah Akbar that no, you are a people who will certainly remain forever. You will remain. You will not be finished off. It will not be eased for you. It will not be lessened for you. It will not stop for you. And you yourself, you will not be annihilated. You will not be extinguished. You will never die. Jahannam will never end and you will never die. You will be ma'kithin. You will remain there forever. Allahu Akbar Kabeera Allah ma'ajinna min al-nar Allah ma'inna na'udhu bika min sakhata wa na'udhu bika min adhab al-nar Then what will be said to them? Then Allah Ta'ala will address them that what? Lakid jitnaakum bil haqqi we definitely indeed had brought you the truth. However, the vast majority of you, you dislike the truth. It can really, it's even stronger than dislike, you despise the truth. So have they, will they, have they settled the matter or will we be the ones who settle it for them? Have they resolved to do something? Or then we have firmly resolved to do something to them. Right? Have they devised a plot? Indeed, we are also plotting. So have they devised some matter or plot in which they want to plot against the Prophet? Allah Ta'ala says, no, we have a scheme. We have a scheme. You, have, you think you have something? Put this in the best way to put this. Do they feel that they have something in store for the Prophet? Indeed, we have something in store for them. Verse 80 Or do they think that we do not hear their sir? We do not hear their secrets? And their stealthy meetings? But no, indeed our emissaries and our scribes are with them and they are writing down each and everything that they do. So this is a very strong passage about the people who will enter Jahannam because of their plotting against Sayyidina Rasulullah because of their disbelief in Allah Subhanahu and His Messenger and then now the surah from 81 to 89 ends where Allah Ta'ala again drives this point home and says to the Prophet Kul say to them my beloved Masha in kana lil-Rahmani walad that if Allah Rahman all merciful Allah Ta'ala had a son fa'ana awwalul abideen I would be the first to worship I would be the first to worship that son. But pure is that Allah's bond. Pure esteem is up pure and pristine and glory and exalted is Allah Ta'ala far above who that Allah who is the, the Lord of the heavens and the earth and the Rabb of the Arsh, the Lord of the Sa'amayasifun from everything that they ascribe and attribute to him. Fadarhum. So just leave them, Nabi Karim, so leave them. Yahudu wa yal'abu that leave them to wallow and engage in their vain conversations wa yal'abu and leave them to their play their futile play hatta yulaku yu'adun until then they meet and they have the encounter on that day which is the day that they have been promised and Allah Ta'ala is that being who is the Allah of the, the God of the um, Samawat and the God of the earth. 
the deity of the Samawat and the deity of the earth, Bahu al-Hakim al-Adim, and Allah subhanahu wa all-wise, all-knowing, and all blessings that being to whom alone belongs the dominion and ownership and power of the Samawat, the heavens, and the earth, but all that lies between the two, and to Allah ta'ala alone belongs the knowledge of the end of the hour, and to Allah ta'ala alone will all of you return. That indeed those who call on other par- on partners besides Allah Ta'ala and others besides Allah Ta'ala, they will have no, those who they call upon have no power to intercede. Illa man bin The only people who will have the power to intercede are those who have testified to the haqq and test to the truth. Wahum ya'lamun. And they are the ones who have knowledge. The ones who have knowledge. Or you can say that they testify to the haq, why you can say it's hadia, and they witness the truth. They witness to the truth in such a state that they are knowing. They knowingly witness to the truth. And if you were to ask them, Man khalaqahum who created them, that they would say, Allah They would say, Allah created us. So where is it that they're wondering? And why is it they've been deceived? Ya Rabbi, and indeed, as far as their, as far as his statement, Ya Rabbi, inna haulai la yu'minun, that oh my Rabb, this is a nation who does not believe. What you should do, fasfah, fasfah. You should, you should divert yourself from them. You can turn away from them and ignore them. Mukul salam, and you should say salam to them for so for Ya'lamun, and soon, surely, they shall know. Alright, so the surah, throughout the surah, Allah subhanahu wa was rejecting uh, the mushrikeen of their shirk and showing that he was free from the qualities of shirk, particularly a lot of mention here for the Christians about Sayyidina Isa Islam not being the son of Allah subhanahu wa and Allah ta'ala ended on this as well, uh, and then. Uh, Allah Ta'ala mentioned to the mushrikeen that none, none of their false gods that they worship will have any right to intercede for them. Now here comes this last part, which I was translating for you in two different ways. The one who attests to the truth, shahida bil haq, and has knowledge, or the one who I was saying witnesses the truth knowingly. So who is this being referred to? Some of the Mufasri is referring to the angels, that the angels will testify to the truth of the fact that Sayyidina Isa Islam was not the son of Allah SWT, or it can refer to Sayyidina Isa himself, that he is a witness, he will witness to the truth, and he himself knows that he is not the son of Allah SWT, nor did he ever call anyone to such a belief. Surah Dukhan. Dukhan means smoke, right? Uh, although one person I did see once translated as vapor. But here you will see when uh, this comes. This is also again from those surahs that are from the Hawamim, which uh, Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas mentioned that were from the core of the Quran. Again, Hamim, again, Allah swears by the clear, all clear and all clarifying book. Inna anzalnahu fi laylatin mubarakatin, inna kunna mundirin. So here is coming also this notion of Laylatul Qadr, which is a whole surah that is in the end of the Quran. But here is a notion, Laylatul Qadr is also known as Laylatul Mubarakah. That Allah indeed we revealed this Quran in a blessed night. 
and inna kunna mundanin and verily we Allah Ta'ala himself is saying that we are amongst the mourners we are the mourners fiha yufraku kullu amrin hakim and in that night every matter fiha means in that blessed night yufraku kullu amrin hakim every single matter of wisdom is decreed or will come to passed on that night all right Every wise command. And how will it come? Amram min indina as a command and a decree from us. Inna kunna mursaleen. And indeed we have been sending messengers after messengers after messengers. And sending means sending messengers and messages. So Allah has been sending messengers and scriptures. Rahmatam minambik. And all of the sending of messengers and messages and scriptures was a mercy from your Rabb, was done as a mercy from your Rabb. Innahu wa samiyullim. Indeed, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all listening, is all knowing. Rabbi Samawati wal Ard. And Allah ta'ala is the Lord of the heavens and earth and all that lies between the two of them. In kuntum muqineen. If indeed you could be certain. If indeed you could have con- certain conviction in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala la ilaha illahu that there's no deity except for him yuhyi wa yumeet he brings to life and he causes to die rabbukum wa rabbu abaikum he is your rabb and the rabb of all of your forefathers ancestors predecessors of awwaleen even the earliest of the predecessors the first of the predecessors balhum fi shakkin yalabun but instead what are they doing they are Playing in doubt, they are frolicking in their doubt, they are languishing in their doubt. Uh, or you can say, Hum fi shakkin, they are in doubt, yal abun, and they are playing around, they are playing games. So, first thing is this blessed night, right? And the most accurate interpretation of this is that blessed night here again means a laylatul qadr. Allah Ta'ala said in Surah Baqarah, Shahrur Ramadan, Aladi Unzina Fihil Quran, that the month of Ramadan is the month in which the Quran al Karim was revealed. And then in Surah Al Qadr, Allah said, Inna Unzalnahu Fihil Qadr, that indeed we revealed this Quran Layl Al Qadr. And here you have here, right, uh, this means Layl Al Qadr. However, uh, This is what I mentioned to you before that it's placed on the t- on that night of Layl Qadr. Okay, why don't I mention that to you a little bit because this is of immediate importance for you to know. So according to Sahih Sayyidina Rasulullah said that Layl Qadr will come in the last 10 days of the month of Ramadan and it will be one of the odd nights of the last 10 days. So that means 21st, 23rd, 25th, 27th, 29th, five possibilities for Layl Qadr. There's no guarantee that it is the D27th. There, at most, there's a slight, slightly greater possibility of it being the 27th as opposed to the other four, but there is no absolute certain knowledge about this. So much so, and this is a difficult concept to explain, but even some ulama feel that it can skip across these five in different years. Now then a person wonders, and how is it possible? Because Allah Ta'ala revealed it on the same night. There was one night at which Allah Ta'ala sent Qur'an onto Lohul Mahfuz. No. Because when Allah Ta'ala inscribed the Qur'an on Lohul Mahfuz, that was before this earth was created, the sun was created, before we had the solar system, before we had orbits, before we had this 24-hour day and night. There's no concept of night at that moment. So, the moment at which, it's almost like a leap year. 
maybe that's a good explain. You know, like every four years has a February 29th. So in three years, you'll call that day March 1st, and one of the four years you call it February 29th. But whatever it means, it's that moment of time. So imagine that there's time is passing. We have a... You can speak of linear time, you can also speak of circular time when you're talking about the alternation of night and day. So that moment which the time on earth coincides with that time in Allah Ta'ala's time frame that he has put in the rest of his creation. Because only Allah Ta'ala is timeless. The rest of creation also has time, but they don't have the solar 24-hour day time because they're in a different time frame. So our time frame and the time frame of the Lohul Mahfuz when the Qur'an al-Kareem was revealed in Lohul Mahfuz, it may be that our time frame sometimes coincide with that. Yes, that's a single moment, but our time frame more coincide with that time on the 21st or the 23rd, or the 25th, or the 27th, or the 29th. So it could vary from year to year in that sense. That's the best way I can explain it to you, the concept of varying, because many times people get confused. How can, it lay, how can it be on a different night? And yes, some people even sometimes get to know which night that is. But given that present company is unlikely to get to know <laughs> which night it is, then better that you treat all five nights as Layl together. And yes, some ulama also in the malamalu biniyat. So if your hope from Allah Taala ana in the zani abdibi, if your hope from Allah Subhanahu was that it was layal together, so that He will grant you that 83 years equivalent in worship. All right. So this is being mentioned here again uh, in in this in Surah Al-Dukan. So verse number 10 is where you're going to have this word. And now you should wait for that day. And this is referring to the day, another way of Allah Ta'ala describing the day of judgment. And what is that day? You should wait for that day when the sky will um, produce a manifest and clear smoke. And that will envelop and overwhelm all of humanity and hadha adabun alim and that smoke will be a painful punishment in us. And then the people will call Rabbana Akshif or Rabbana Akshif Annal Adaba Inna Mu'minun and they will say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you just take this punishment away from us, lift it up from us, unveil it from us, remove it from us, Inna Mu'minun it doesn't mean we are, it means that we will then surely be believers. We will surely believe. Right? Okay. What is this smoke? So this is a smoke that is clearly it's a sign of Qiyamah. And in a hadith in the Sahih of Muslim, Sayyidina Rasulullah had mentioned the ten signs, the ten alamat of Yom Al-Qiyamah, in which this smoke is also mentioned. And so this smoke is something that will smoke, or maybe you could say mist or vapor, but because of its unpleasant nature, that is why we may want to stick to the English word smoke because mist and vapor is a bit neutral whereas this is, again, like a type of punishment, right? Allahu uh, what this may be, you know. I'm going to just show you this is not the meaning and I don't even think this is necessarily a meaning. But just for those inquisitive minds who insist they must be able to understand everything, at least some level of rationality. So when Allah Ta'ala earlier in the Quran we had shown you, He said He's going to shatter the mountains to smithereens so you can imagine the type of dust that will be erased in that. If you've ever seen, for example, a building that is demolished, then there's a great smoke cloud that comes around it. So imagine if all of the mountains and all of the structures on this earth are demolished, then there could be a huge cloud of smoke 
that people would find very oppressive and they would find it to be like a punishment. But, even, but I don't think that's what it is. I think it's probably more like a supernatural type of smoke that Allah Ta'ala would inflict. Alright? Uh, now, So the people will call out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say that if you remove this from us then indeed uh, we would uh, we would become believers. So then Allah ta'ala in verse 13 And then now from how can they get this dhikr, this reminder when already an articulate, clear, manifest messenger has already come to them. There's, there's nothing for you to have iman in now. If we were to remove the smoke away, the time for you to have iman has Asked already because we had already sent the messengers to you, but what to do? anhu. But when the messenger was sent to them, they turned away from him. What did they say? They said muallamun majnoon. Now muallam means he is trained. And you were saying he's been coached. He's been coached. He's crazy. He's possessed. A like conspiracy theory. He's either crazy and possessed, majnoon, or muallam. He has been trained to say these things. And so then Allah Ta'ala says, okay, we will remove the punishment a while, a little bit, for a little while. But but indeed all of you will return and revert to your disbelief. And this is the day that we will seize them with a firm hold, or kubra means the overwhelming hold. They will be seized with an overwhelming hold or they will be that's how you can say inna muntakimun and Allah says indeed we will surely take revenge we will exact revenge we will take vengeance on those disbelievers and then and indeed before them we definitely tested the people of Fir'aun and Baja'ahum Rasulun Kareem and a Kareem Rasul Yani Sayyidina Musa Islam a noble messenger was sent to them and what did he say to them? He said that hand over Allah Ta'ala's servants and slaves to me for indeed I am a trustworthy messenger to you and do not rebel against Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. I have come to you with a clear proof and authority. I seek refuge with my Rabb and your Rabb lest you should stone me. If you will not believe in me then you should stay away from me. Then Musa Islam supplicated to his Rabb and what did he say? That indeed these people are certainly a villainous nation, a sinful nation, a criminal nation. So then Allah subhanahu wa said to him that leave with my people by night and you know that you for you will be pursued and then leave the sea as it is and they must leave the sea it will be parted for it is for their army who will be drowned. Right? What does this mean that leave the sea as it is? So here this is the same story of Sayyidina Musa Islam that we've done many times already now, right? Leave the sea as it is for the people, you know, the Fir'aun, people of Fir'aun will be an army who will be drowned. What does that mean? So first is that the community of Sayyidina Muslim is being told that they had to leave everything, uh, the people of Fir'aun had to leave everything behind when they were drowned, right? But these people who are passing through the sea, they're uh, Allah subhanahu wa is telling Musa al-Islam that leave the sea as it is. Mm, what this means is that, for example, uh, 
Let's put it this way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like we told you before, that He was telling Musa beforehand that you will be pursued. So don't be in a state of fright that when you're in the middle of the sea and you look back and you see Fir'auna's armies come in, don't let that freeze you up. Don't remain in there. Leave it as it is, right? And then when you leave it as it is, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make them an army that are drowned. And then how many were the gardens and springs that the people of Fir'aun they left behind and they had plantations and he sown fields and they had places uh, palatial homes and maqam and kareem and you know homes of distinction and honor and they had you know they had pleasures bounties from us that they used to enjoy but kadalik so it was dusted Allah's decree come to pass and we made others inherit all of their refinery and their places. This I also explained to you a few days ago. Neither the sky nor the earth wept for them. And there's an interesting phrase. That Allah says that neither the neither did the sky or the earth cry at all or weep for them. Now, what does this mean? This is an expression, but some have also taken this literally. Because Sayyidina Rasulullah said uh, in a hadith that's been transmitted by Imam Tirmidhi that when a believer uh, enters, every mu'min has two doors between him and the Samawat. His deed enters through one, his amal that he do goes up and makes this journey in, in the Akhirah through one door of the Samawat and his risk comes down from the other. But when the mu'min passes away, then the Prophet said that the two doors weep for that mu'min. The two doors weep for the mu'min who passes away. So this is in contrast to that, that unlike, and so that's in the sense that the sky weeps for the mu'min because the two doors are in the sky. So for these people, for On and his armies, uh, the sky did not weep for them means that the doors in the sky did not do not weep at the passing away of the disbelievers. Why do they weep at the passing away of the believer? It may be because of their love for that believer. It may be because they've lost their functionality because their own functionality was only as long as that believer was alive. So the skies and the earth don't wait for them and then and they were denied any reprieve. They will not be given any stay. This is when the Pharaoh and his army tried to believe when the waters were coming over them but Allah did not grant them that and did not grant them any reprieve, any muhla, any stay, any delay in that punishment. And did be saved and delivered and gave salvation to the Bani Israel from that disgraceful punishment that Pharaoh was meeting out to them and indeed he was from the uh, most haughty and arrogant person from the transgressors so one of the worst of the Musrafin, one of the worst uh, criminals And indeed, we certainly gave superiority to the Bani Israel. At that time, we gave them superiority over all the worlds, over all of the worlds, by virtue of their knowledge. 
ayati and so we gave them such signs uh bala um mabin and in those signs there was the clear and manifest uh grace you could also translate this as clear and manifest test for them but a clear and manifest blessing for them all right the favors allah ta'ala bestowed upon the bani israel uh, is that he gave them this knowledge in the torah that they had and then Allah Subhanahu gave them the Bayt al-Muqaddas and that sacred special land which we did earlier in Quran where Allah said as he's put barakah even in the land and the surrounding of that place. Allah gave them many signs, man, salwa, many anbiya that came from them, many kings, anbiya from their progeny, many, many signs Allah bestowed upon them. In inhiya illa mu'tatuna al-ula. These are the people, really these are people who say that uh, this is only our first death and we will not be resurrected. And they said that bring our forefathers back then if you're telling the truth. So that Allah Ta'ala asked them that Am khairun am tubba that are they better than the people of Tumba? So who are the people of Tumba? Right? So the people of Tumba, this was a community and again, this is something that a lot of the Mufasrain have given many ideas as to who they were, but they're basically like the kings of Yemen. This is the term that is used. This is the title of the kings of Yemen, like the Kaiser or Caesar, the title of the Roman emperor, and the Khusro or whatever it was, was the title of the Persian king. This was referred to the kings of Yemen. And then long uh, discussion in the books of the seer about what exactly happened and multiple narrations, mostly from Israeliyat, on these people of Yemen. But either way, it's just another community who disbelieved in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And it's not the Tubba or the king of Yemen himself who was a bad person, but rather it was his people who were bad. And so this is the opposite uh, of Pharaoh. Pharaoh, both him and his people were bad. But here in the case of this king of Yemen was a good person, but all of his community were bad. And because his community were all disbelieving in him, right? then that whole community was destroyed. Just like Musa Islam went to the community of Pharaoh and they all disbelieved in him and then the all of Pharaoh and their armies were destroyed. Verse 38, Allah says that we have not created the heavens and the earth and all of them that is between la'ibin, just in play or in jest, but rather Allah says that but rather than we created them with haq, with absolute truth and with purpose and soundly but the vast majority of them do not know indeed the day of judgment is the day that has been appointed time and stipulated for each and every one that this is that day that when no companion will be able to avail any of the companion Again, you see the word Mola, right? Molan and Molan. This word Mola is being used for Ghairullah. Mola refers to a person who is somebody's companion, somebody's helper, somebody's guide. Uh, that is one of the lexical meanings of this world. But here Allah is saying they won't be able to help anyone. And nor will they be helped or assisted 
except illa man rahim Allah, except that upon whom Allah Ta'ala sends His mercy. Innahu hu al-azizur rahim. Indeed, Allah Subhanahu is almighty, all merciful. Right. So this is the effect of Allah Ta'ala's mercy on the mu'mineen that the relationship in this world uh, will be maintained in the akhirah. And they may then, if Allah Ta'ala sends His mercy on certain mu'mineen, they may be able to help one another. Alright. And again, we've mentioned in this to you before that Mola is a word. People say Molana. This is also from the same root, by the way, of Wali. Wa'lamya, Waliya, Wilaya, Mola, Mawalat. All of these come from the same word, which means friend, companion, benefactor. Alright. Verse 43. Inna Zakum. This is a tree that we have discussed with you before. Uh, various verses earlier uh, in Surah Safat in Surah 37 verses 64 to 65 we did this in detail with you it's a tree of extremely bitter fruit and here it's being mentioned again this is the punishment of the people of Jahannam that they will have to uh, eat from this tree so indeed the tree of Zakum the Amul Athim it is the food that will be given to the Athim to the severely sinful Kal Muhli and it is like some would say it's like molten oil that will boil in the bellies of people just in the way water boils so grab him and seize him and you should drag him to the very midst of the blazing fire and then you should pour the punishment of boiling water over his head. Look, taste. Indeed, uh, it, this is a mocking. This is being said to him that indeed, uh, taste, indeed you were the Almighty, the All-Honored One. It's mocking the person that you thought, for example, like Fir'aun. So telling Fir'aun that taste, indeed you were the Almighty One, right? And then pouring the punishment on him. Indeed you're Al-Kareem, you're the All-Honored One. So, This is it, here it is what you were doubting. So again, very strong, I'm not even doing full justice to us. The Arabic is extremely strong in this passage. More strong than anyone really has the strength to recite and more strong than you would have the strength to read and understand. Okay? But this is what so don't want you to get confused. Innaka Antal Azizul Hakim Allah SWT is being told to that person who is being punished in an extreme level of sarcasm, derision, mocking that you means you thought yourself to be Al Aziz. Where is your might today? You thought yourself to be Al Kareem, that you had honor and dignity. Where is your honor and dignity today when the punishment is coming upon them? And remember that no matter how intense it may be and maybe our inability of anyone's individual frail human emotions to grasp or digest Qur'an, Qur'an al-Kareem is haq, right? And we can never not believe in any aspect of Qur'an. That same Allah Ta'ala who over and over Qur'an has mentioned that he is Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, same Allah Ta'ala and same Qur'an has mentioned these passages. All we can do is spend our whole life begging and praying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and trying that we would never be amongst those people who would even enter, even taste in the slightest this torment and punishment of Jahannam. It does not befit a person, right, out of any type of secularism or modernism to deny the punishment of Jahannam exists. 
that it's not possible, we cannot do that, that would be tantamount to denying Qur'an, that would be an act of disbelief. Right? But again, our belief in it doesn't mean it leads us, number one, to save ourselves from it, and not to condemn anyone to it, but to desperately hope no one would have this. And that's what they say, that you wouldn't wish this even on your worst enemy. And you shouldn't. If you wish Jahannam on your worst enemy, then you have a problem. <laughs> you have a big Hassan Bogus, a serious malice, spite, hatred problem. Deen of Islam is says that you shouldn't wish this on your worst enemy. And the best example of this is Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. Abu Lahab and Abu Jahl were his worst enemy. He never wanted and wished Jahannam for them. He made every single effort that they would enter into Jannah. It was their own stubbornness at the end that they, even Allah Ta'ala about Abu Lahab the Khair revealed a whole verse, a whole surah that's coming at the end. Right? But it was never the Prophet. And the Prophet did not rejoice at the revelation of Surah Lahab. He was saddened by that. That now clearly the door is closed for Abu Lahab. Alright? Okay. إِنَّ الْمُتَّكِينَ فِي مَقَامٍ أَمِينَ And then as is Allah Ta'ala's often practiced at mentioning Jahannam and Jannah alternately and disbelievers and believers alternately and here now for after the mention of Jahannam now you have the bayan of Jannah and indeed the muttaqeen, the people of fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who abstain from sin and who are conscientious and aware of Allah Ta'ala always but these are the three core meanings of taqwa fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala staying away, refraining, abstaining from sin and number three, being always and ever aware and conscious of Him. These are the three meanings of taqwa. So these muttaqeen, fi maqam in ameen, they will be in ameen, a place of aman, in a completely peaceful, secure place and abode, fi jannatin wa uyul, and they will be in guard, amidst gardens and springs, yalbasuna min sundus, and they will be wearing silk, wastabrakin <coughs> mutakabideen, there will be these are both types of silk. Sundus is a fine, delicate silk, and istabrak is a more thick silk. I don't know enough about fabric, but maybe, maybe one could translate istabrak as brocade. Mutakabilin, and they will be sitting facing one another. And this this came before, by the way. Uh, we did this before in the Quran that they are facing one another. What does that mean? That they will be seated in such a way that they will be able to gaze upon the beauty of one another, right? And in second way, it also means uh, in a sense of harmony, that they will be seated, they will dwell therein in such a harmonious, uh, coexistent way. Gadalik, and thus Allah Ta'ala says, and so shall it be, وَزَّوَجْنَاهُمْ بِهُورٍ عِينٍ And then we shall marry them to... No, I'm trying to think of a, way to, if that, a proper way to translate this because I don't like the, the normal English words that people use for this. Normal people use maidens or damsels. Uh, so, maybe we can just leave it untranslated that we will marry them off to Hur. Hain, uh, uh, which are... Um, yeah. Large-eyed whores, yaduna fiha amin, and then they will call for all types of fruits uh, therein. La fiha mota, and they will never ever taste death there. Means that it will never end. Illa except that first death of this world. That was the only death that they will ever taste. <coughs> 
and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save them from Adab al-Jaheem, from the punishment of the blazing fire. Fadlam min rabbika. And this is a fadl from their rabb. All of the above, but especially being saved from the fire, the punishment of the blazing fire. Wabakahum adab al-Jaheem. Especially that, but it's for all of the above, is fadlam min rabbika. That is just a blessing and favor and fadl from your rabb. And indeed the attainment of Jannah and its aman and its blessings and also never and dwelling therein forever for eternity and also never having to enter the blazing fire. All of that is Al-Fadl Adim. That is the great tremendous success. All of this is how now Allah Ta'ala ends this whole note of Surah Dukhan on Quran. فَإِنَّمَا يَسَّرْنَاهُ بِلِسَانِكَ Indeed, we have made the Qur'an easy. Easy on your tongue. لَأَلَّهُمْ يَتَذَكَّرُونَ So that your heart would take heed. I'm translating it like that. Literally means so that they would take heed and be reminded. But the point is that it's easy to recite. Easy to memorize. It's intelligible being in Arabic. But all of that was done. لَأَلَّهُمْ يَتَذَكَّرُونَ So that you may be reminded by it. Literally from dhikr, so that you may be reminded by it, you may be admonished by it, you may take heed from it. Fartakib murtakibun. So you can say so watch, for they are watching, or you can say so wait, for they are waiting as well. So what does it mean that in the kuffar they didn't accept the message of Islam and the Prophet and so Allah Ta'ala is saying, Look, they're waiting and we're waiting. Or you may watch and they're also watching. Uh, and Obviously, ultimately, everyone will realize the truth, whether in this case Allah Ta'ala manifested the truth clearly for them on earth after Fatih Makkah, or generally speaking, Allah Ta'ala will manifest the truth on the Day of Judgment. Let's stop over here. So we were able to do... Three surahs today, right? 42, 43, 44. Yeah. I'll give you just a little ishara that on Eid, everything about Ramadan for you will end except me. It's just a little ishara, and then you'll understand. <laughs> Alright? We will be inviting you to us in the middle of Shawwal which is a good thing in some way because a lot of people forget Ramadan so quickly by the first 10-15 days of Shawwal it may be good for you to come back here and learn some Quran on a weekend in Shawwal right? so that you return to your Ramadan self post Ramadan uh, because all too quickly we lose who we are uh, rather whatever blessing Allah Ta'ala bestows upon us in this month of Ramadan we lose it very quickly afterwards so again the announcements that I made that on Saturday Saturday there will be one extra session in the morning for the die hard and hardy or foolhardy however it may be as from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. and then the standard session will be as it is from 2.05 to 10 p.m. to 5.15 p.m. and that second session the standard session on Saturday yani the 2 p.m. session on Saturday one of the surahs that we will do, in fact, I will start with that, irrespective of where I may be otherwise. 
Surah Al-Hujurat, which is a very important surah. So again, you know, Allah Ta'ala has actually made it this way. It was a very slight adjustment on my part uh, that some of these major surahs were able to cover on weekends. Like we covered Surah Nur that one weekend. So Surah Hujurat is also a very, you know, important surah with lots of lessons. So if you have friends who cannot come regularly but you want to invite them to a weekend, that would be one option. And second option is Sunday. So on Sunday, the 2 p.m. session, we will be doing Surah Al-Rahman and Surah Waqiyah, which are also two very important surahs. Surah Al-Rahman more for its beauty, and Surah Waqiyah will have perhaps more lessons in it than even Surah Rahman. But important that I feel a lot of Pakistanis are very fond of reciting Surah Rahman, so they should at least come once and understand what it means, and understand the ma'ani and ma'arif in it, right? And because every surah, the power of that surah is magnified, not just by its beautiful recitation, but also by understanding its meanings and its subtleties and trying to feel those meanings and live according to those meanings and feelings. So all of that is coming up uh, today's Thursday. Right, so that's all Perso and Terso, day after tomorrow and the day after the day after tomorrow. ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم وأنت خير الراحمين يا الله يا رب كريم يا الله we are entering almost the midpoint of Ramadan يا الله we are in the second أشهر of Ramadan this is the ten days of your مغفرة يا الله يا الله we ask that you send your forgiveness on our hearts forgiveness on our minds forgive us for all of the unlawful feelings that we felt forgive us for all the unlawful thoughts that we thought Ya Rabbi Kareem we ask that you put the thoughts and feelings of Quran in our mind and our heart the thoughts and feelings of Sayyidina Rasulullah in our mind and our heart the thoughts and feelings of all of those who are beloved to you all of those categories that you've mentioned in Quran grant us the thoughts and feelings of the Sadiqeen Sindiqeen Mutasaddiqeen Muttaqeen Mukhlaseen Mukhlaseen Mukallabeen Awabeen Tawabeen Qanateen Shakireen Sabirin, Zakirin, Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we ask that you make our sifat and make our attributes and grant us each and every one of these sifat and mu'mineen. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Ya Allah, we ask that you save us from the punishment of Jahannam. Ya Allah, we ask that before we come to you on the day of judgment, that you forgive us all of our sins in this world, that you wipe our record clean, that you erase the memories of Karam and Katibin. Ya Allah, that you erase the memories of the angel who writes sin, that you erase the memories of our own limbs and organs that Ya Allah let our slate be wiped so clean that there is nothing to testify against Ya Rabbi Kareem we ask that you name us to make such true Tawbah in this world and if ever we slip from that Tawbah to renew that Tawbah to replenish that Tawbah to revive that Tawbah make us amongst the Tawabin Awabin those who frequently make Tawbah to you who frequently turn to you Ya Allah Ya Rabbi Kareem we ask that you put the Nur of the Quran in our heart the nur of the Quran in our life the nur of Quran in our families and Ya Rabbi Kareem those of us who are married Ya Allah we ask that you enable us to make our marriage 
such that we can become the noblest of azwaj and jannatul firdaus, make each and every spouse outstrip the other and raise the other to a highest and higher darajah of jannah. And all those of us who are yet to be married, Allah marry us amongst the people of taqwa, marry us to the people of taqwa, Allah save us from every fraud, save us from every delusion, save us from every deception, save us from every betrayal, save us from every faithlessness, save us from every doubt, save us from every confusion. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you make it easy for us, Ya Allah. Keep us in your hifada, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you to save us from the hasad of the hasideen. Protect us from the hasad of the hasideen. Protect us from the shar of the ashrar. Protect us from the kibr of the mutakabbireen. Protect us from the betrayal of the disloyal. Ya Rabbi Kareem, Ya Allah, we ask that you protect our heart, strengthen our heart, nourish our heart. Ya Allah, Ya Rahman, Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta samiul alim وتوبوا لنا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على حبيبه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين